Hey gang, Hydraberg here, a cut above horror review. Tonight we welcome back Caitlin of the Plug It Up podcast to help us kick off Women in Horror Month, the bloodiest way we know how, by covering 1976's Carrie, episode 136 of A Cut Above. They're all gonna laugh at you, starting now. They're all gonna laugh at you! They're all gonna laugh at you! They're all gonna laugh at you! Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be kicking off Women in Horror Month, the first fe- first week of February, with Brian De Palma's Carrie from 1976. Oh boy, it's going to be a good time. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's our dear, dear Hydraberg, a.k.a. Ladyberg for this week. <laughs> since it's uh, maybe, Yeah, maybe for the month. Who knows? Let's see how it feels. In, in honor of women in horror month, Ladyberg sent, felt appropriate. How okay. you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good, good. Pretty good. Yep. Also the return of Curb. Pretty mm. good. <laughs> and next up, we got John, a.k.a. Joan, for this week. He's trying on that, you know persona for now i am and i gotta tell you jacqueline i feel very comfortable with this name i think i might legally change it which is uh <laughs> at least for the month you know i mean you, know, okay. you never know we could do we could do a year of women in horror i mean we really could there's a lot out there so yeah. uh, jacqueline how you doing uh, lady oh, burke how you doing um <laughs> and man hey joe we <laughs> we brought on a heavy hitter huh jacqueline oh yeah wait till you hear about this guest Y'all ready? Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Welcoming back for the second time, it's Caitlin from Plug It Up Podcast. What's up, Caitlin? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I when you're talking about doing a whole month of women in horror a whole year, you can do a whole podcast about it. That's what I do. So. Yep, that's what you <laughs> do. Yeah. But I'm I'm happy to be here and we're covering the movie that's the namesake for my podcast. So Yep. If ever there was a plug it up movie, this is <laughs> literally it. This is this is literally it. So sometimes uh, people don't I mean, they don't get the reference and that's OK. That's kind of what I wanted so that it could be a little bit go under the radar if people weren't totally mm-hmm. familiar with horror or with Carrie. But every once in a while, they see that the U on the logo is a tampon and they start to put it together. And I'm like, there you go. And it's yeah, a, yeah. such a nice moment for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> get to watch the light bulb go on. Yeah. I don't well, know anything about that, but however, at the end of this month, I might. <laughs> yeah, you might. Anyway, so glad to have you on, Caitlin. I've been so excited to get to this week and this episode with you. Um, I just, I can't wait to hear everything you have to say about this. I have specifically not listened to your Carrie episode on Plug It Up. For the um, best, it was the first one, so it's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> well, understand, but that's that's not why. It's, it's because I don't want to, I want to like allow you to bring your thoughts yourself and not like step on them or you know inadvertently plagiarize them or <laughs> um or anything like that I, and or anything so i just wanted to let you do your thing and, and and talk about it authentically thanks yeah that was back when i was treating plug it up more as an academic pursuit rather than the dick joke pursuit that it is these days but, uh, you know a little bit of column a, a little bit of column a little bit of both but, exactly yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's that's a winning combo in my book 
Uh, I ended up reading, I have them, I keep looking over here because this is where my bookshelf is, but I, I got like five or six books on the cultural history of menstruation and like the societal sort of anthropological history of menstruation and preparing for, to start plugging up the podcast because it started as, it started as a, a limited series on the monstrous menstruation trope in horror with Carrie and then Ginger Snaps. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to cover whatever I want to. So <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did because it opened up a whole world for you. And now your podcast is really one of the best, the very best podcasts mm-hmm. I listen to. Um, I A few weeks ago, I forget which one I was listening to, but I had been listening to some episode and, um, and then I took the kids to the park. And literally the whole day I had your theme song in my head. <laughs> and so I'm like singing to my little like three-year-old. I'm like, it's a leaking. <laughs> oh, I love that. Someone once asked me, they're like, oh my God, is that you singing? And I was like, absolutely not. I can't sing for shit. That's definitely not me. But <laughs> well, you do a lot of karaoke, so who knows? Not well, not well. I yeah. uh, karaoke, my karaoke rules are cloud crowd pleasers or funny songs and yeah. Songs that are in my range, which is about my speaking tone. So I can't, can't go too far up or down. <laughs> yeah, I heard one of your, I, I think it was the uh, year end for 2023. Somebody mentioned Islands in the Stream. And gosh <laughs> darn you guys, it got stuck in my head all day long. I love That's that a stickable song. song. That's a very stickable it song. It is. I mean, it's it's such an earworm, but it's such a jam. I mean, Kenny yeah. Rogers, Dolly Parton, you can't go wrong. And it's oh, a great also, duet. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. All, t- Can, all time great. Can I give Caitlin a lot of love right now? Oh, she deserves it. Yes, please do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You did a pro- public service, your public service duty to cover <laughs> exorcist believer. <laughs> so we don't have to, that nobody else has to cover this movie because I I got the spoilers. I got it. That's fine. But it, we don't have to put ourselves through that torture. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, you should check the spreadsheet then, I guess. Probably. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's. <laughs> but I got one up here now. I'm gonna put that. Got an ace in, in my the pocket. pocket. Yeah, I got an ace. <laughs> oh, we so we can all cover. Uh, so don't <laughs> anger him, John. Well, I've seen it already, John. Okay, not not yet. You saw yeah. a pre-screen. Yeah, he's like yeah. immunized now. <laughs> we were gonna. I could potentially just doze night? off during the next viewing, and I still probably put a review together and a cheap <laughs> reach around. What happened to the Ma episode, Caitlin? The Ma episode is still coming. We're we're gonna we are. It was uh, Mary was gonna be on for it, and our buddy Donnie, who has another podcast, a comedy podcast, who is so funny and he loves Ma. So we were gonna record on Ma, but uh, there was a power outage where Donnie lived, so he couldn't get on. Mm. And Mary and I were like, "Well, we're here. We're ready to go." What can we talk about? And uh, she was like, "I hate Exorcist Believer," and I was like record let's go <laughs> tell me more <laughs> and let her go off and it was it was a fun time recording so it, it was a wonderful episode i appreciate you yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate the episode and i honestly I, I mean it i appreciate you putting it out there so we don't have to do it <laughs> nice so i haven't listened to that one yet but i did adore the previous episode on may because oh, as these fellas know, that is like one of my all-time top favorites. And the whole time you guys were talking, I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Doesn't Eric I just... have like such a pleasing voice? I love his voice. His speaking voice is so, I don't know. It just makes me feel so good. The yeah, actress yeah, he, is he actually does. in a Carrie. Uh, she's in a Carrie film, I believe, right? Like a really... I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Reg Carrie 2 Electric Boogaloo? No, no, no. no not the sequel. It was the a 2002. It was a TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. It looked really bad. I saw a trailer for it. I was like, whoa. 
it's, it's not the good. only <laughs> Carrie property I haven't covered because I've covered I've covered the Rage Carrie too, and I've covered Carrie 2013. Not com- yeah, I haven't covered the that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I gotta say, I've been looking forward to this time of the month. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Cover it, so. Well done. All right. Uh, well, John, do you have any horror news to share with us this evening? I do. Unfortunately, I've got some very sad news to pass along. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you have not heard, um, legendary actor Carl Weathers passed away at the age of 76, of course, in the movie Action Jackson. Um, he was in Rocky. He was oh, in great. the movie Predator. Mm. Um, Happy Gilmore. I mean, come on. This this guy showed so much range. Um, I'm just very curious. And, and we can quickly go through. Does anybody have a Carl Weathers like favorite role? Uh, I'm going to start with Caitlin. How about you? Happy Gilmore. I I feel like that movie just hits me right in the nostalgia. And my brother and I used to watch it so much. Mm. And I just, mm. it's one of those that sticks with me. And it's one of the, like, I couldn't probably separate myself from it and tell you, you know, at 34 years old, whether I genuinely find it funny. It's just so ingrained into like who I am and what made my sense of humor, especially as it relates to my sense of humor with my family, my brother in particular, that it just means so much to me. And his, I don't know, everything about him in that movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Jacqueline? I'd say Rocky. Yeah. Heidelberg? Yeah. To not just say Rocky as well, because Rocky is his most known. i seen him in Predator back in the day, uh, even though his character is not like the biggest one in the group. Um, it, it, I don't know. It was just really cool. I, I And I, I'm, I'm not trying to play both sides of the fence here, but mine was Apollo Creed because I loved his arc like throughout uh rocky one through four you know you saw this like that guy that really respected rocky i also loved happy gilmore chubbs mcgann yeah. i said the yeah, character's name character oh my god it was wonderful you know and i just saw i saw the uh the gifts and i was and just gonna say waving of, from heaven and i'm like, yeah oh. exactly yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was it heartbreaking was yeah it's like you wouldn't even think about that you know yeah. and it's just like you know the guy was so well-rounded he was a professional football player the guy became an actor you know he, the director he, just... he directed episodes of the mandalorian oh, I well, that's right yeah yep. he directed a couple episodes during the seasons he was on that's cool i don't know the guy the guy's gonna be sorely missed i mean you never heard a bad thing about this guy yeah. not at all oh if you want to like if you want to bust out crying a little bit or at least get choked up watch Sylvester stallone's dedication to him on like instagram or social oh, medias oh no it's okay. it's it's ins- inspirational. However, it's very sad. You're just like, he oh, talks my. about how much he owes him too. like, because, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. About how that film would, you know, it, it was as much his film as it was Stallone's film too. I can't watch it. Cause I'm, I feel like my eyes are welling up hearing you talk about it. So it's like, I <laughs> <Yeah>. can't. <laughs> it's, it, it's so heartwarming and it, it, like Stallone. I, I, I get it. He's kind of a meathead or whatever, but he gets, he gets so vulnerable in the video. And it's just like it, almost like they really did carry on a relationship since the Rocky movies, and they they they've been friends and and keeping in each other's lives, which is fantastic. I think so. I might want to try and cover Action Jackson on Cinemigos. It feels like a good pick for our show. Absolutely, I've man. never seen it. So, oh really? Yeah, maybe okay. one of the other guys has. I could show it to me. Absolutely. All right. Um, sorry, I'm going to get to something better. Uh, Caitlin, have you been seeing these teasers or, or or the social media kind of posts, almost like the marketing that Blair Witch did with a movie called Long Legs? I have. I'm very excited. Okay. So the official trailer came out. It did. Did you get to watch it? Yeah. Heidelberg and Jacqueline sent it to me. And I am, um, I, I feel so 
I feel appropriately teased. Like I want more. <laughs> they they did their job. <laughs> I don't want any more though, as yeah. like more teasing per se. I That's just fair. like I'm teased yeah. enough. Dude, you you nailed it right on the head. Just give me that and like, leave, leave it, it at alone. that mm-hmm. and be done. How about you, how about you Hydeberg? It looks really. I, I like. It looks really good, and I. It's um. I. What's the director? It's um. Oz Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, Anthony Perkins' uh, son. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he did like he Black wrote Coat's it and directed it. I Black love Coat's that. daughter was awesome. Fun yeah, fact: he had a fun fact. He had a small role in Legally Blonde. He did really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, like Oz Perkins. He's cool. He was like the tall, kind of quiet guy who like reaches up and gets her a book, and then. I just think I it's how awesome familiar you guys are from, like historic like horror roots, you know what I mean? And he's like mm-hmm. making putting out this really interesting looking film that's marketed really interestingly and it's so creepy looking. The imagery and the sound design. And I like the mm-hmm. cast, even though I don't know much about it. I'm super into it. The only things it... I've seen it's Micah Monroe and Nick Cage, yeah. right? That's and all I, I have that's to all hear. I've I love seen. both of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. I need. That's yeah, all I, I mean, yeah, like, say less. Got me. <laughs> She's been on a, a projectory recently. She's going up. Like the films I've seen with her last year. Wa- I don't cool know if Watcher stuff. was last year. I guess that was 2022. I think that was, I was too, so. Yeah. Oh, impressed. was she the main character in Watcher? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. And she was I in think... another one about uh, what was it called? Oh, it's like that sci fi kind of horror. Movie. I only know it follows yeah. besides that. It was cool too. Yeah, she's been really good. And I, I love Nick Cage. So I'm, I'm here for, for that. I also love a sigil. I was uh, Hydraberg. I know that you saw them. I I'm hosting a purge themed party next week or this weekend. Yeah. And uh, my boyfriend and I got this pack of blank masks, like masquerade masks. I've been like drawing all over them and making like creepy little masks. And we drew the sigil, for, the, the Lucifer sigil, the satanic sigil. And I was like, Oh shit. The, that's what the girl is drawing in the trailer or that we saw. She's drawing the sigil for Satan. And then I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> sigil friend. That aspect of the trailer looks pretty interesting too. Like this mm-hmm. investigation that might lead her down this weird like path of gates to hell or something like that. I don't know. Sorry, I'm we- stupid. What's a sigil? A sigil is like um a lot of people use it in witchcraft and it's you take the letters. So if I was gonna do like your name is long, so I'll say Jack J A C K. You take those and you sort of like make what looks like, I don't know, like a little funky symbol. They look like runes a little bit, but you draw them and you sort of connect them so that it makes a unique symbol. And then you can write them over and over again and draw them places and it's supposed to imbue some power and um, you can sort of call on it. But the sigil for, like the sigil for um, Lilith is really popular and the sigil for Satan is really popular. They're just like kind of creepy looking. And I, a lot of it is like, you know, the repetition of drawing it sort of puts you in like a trance state mm-hmm. and I can see her or I can see the figure in the trailer. I don't know if it's Micah Monroe or not, but like writing it over and over again. And I was like, Ooh, let's go. <laughs> I am Jacqueline, definitely tantalized for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jacqueline, what'd you think of the trailer? Well, it looks intriguing. I still don't know what it's about, but <laughs> it looks <laughs> intriguing. Um, uh, seems a, a little bit more revealing, a little bit more coherent than mm-hmm. The teaser trailers, which seem very disjointed, um, but still no, no less fascinating. Um, this, you know, obviously it's longer. It's showing us more. It's it allows me to see more that this is like a narrative film. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous teasers were kind of like they almost look like they were going to be for like a very experimental type film. Like I keep comparing it to the marketing for Skinner Marink. Mm-hmm. Um, this full trailer makes it look more like a, a little bit more of a conventional film um but still the imagery is bizarre enough that i'm still intrigued i'm still super pumped to see it absolutely yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I got the I got the vibe of like a true crime when they first started coming out with these little teaser things. Uh, did anybody else pick up a mix of seven and hereditary vibes? Because there's there's a scene with uh, is her name Micah? Micah? Yeah, Micah Monroe. Micah Monroe, where like she's doing this scream thing while she's driving, and it like goes from uh, daytime to nighttime back to daytime, and mm. I was like, mm. like hereditary. Yeah, that's hereditary. That's to Tony me, was- Collette right there. It was reminding me a little bit, I mean, Seven's a good call because of the investigative aspect, mm-hmm. but like a little bit Silence of the Lambs because like we have the FBI thing, but also mm-hmm. um, Antichrist, you know, in Antichrist when mm-hmm. the main character, she's doing like a dissertation on um, like the evil feminine on femicide. Like yeah, she's doing yeah. A, yeah, sort of like she's getting in too deep. And I like the idea of a character that gets a little bit obsessive and, and in too deep. And that's what I'm you know, not to project anything onto the movie or the character or the narrative, but like, I'm like, are you getting in too deep that you're kind of losing it? Because that appeals to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's coming out apparently July 12th. Hmm. Okay. So it's going to oh, be wow. a some, it's going to be a fun summer watch, sounds like. <laughs> I'm here. We might have a spot have open around then. Maybe move we some things. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll keep my, I'll keep my little spot open there just in case. So hot in the summertime. I'll be happy to be in a theater. <laughs> Yes, please. Yeah. All right, Catherine O'Hare. Oh yeah, O'Hara. I think she's a gem. I think she's yeah. a a world treasure. Um, she's Darling. busy this summer. She's For half a second, in... I thought you were going to say that she died, and I was. Like, I was like, I know. No, 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 no. I, 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 I want to end. You're going to bookend it. Death. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm putting a happy note at the end of this. Tail end it. Um, Catherine O'Hara is going to be busy this summer. She, uh, I guess they just wrapped filming of. I, it's officially called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Mm. Yeah, Beetlejuice 2. Oh, it's better. See, I see what they're um, doing. Beetlejuice, Deuce, Electric Boogaloos. <laughs> um, <laughs> no date on that release. Wow. However, everybody's been talking about this Last of Us show. Season 2 is going to be coming out. She's in talks to join Season 2. Yeah, I think it's confirmed. I think. Is it confirmed? I thought, yeah, um, I thought yeah, so. Yeah, when you... When you said it to me, it was uh, it was like uh, she's in talks. Okay, I thought I saw another follow up uh, article after that, but I, I might be wrong. But yeah, because I know they're about. To, I think they just started filming again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, it, yeah. I, I saw someone frustrated that there was so long between the seasons, oh, and I think the strikes, I heard they would just start. Yeah, it was the strikes, yeah. but yeah. I think they had just started filming again. Yep, she I'm is excited. glorious. She's so she cool. is, dude. Shit's Creek, the shit, <laughs> literally. <laughs> She's great. So yeah, I'm excited to see what role she plays. If they, if she plays some kind of role I might be familiar with from the games, or they they have a brand new role that they wrote in for her because they've done that with the the show. So I'm certainly interested. Yep. All right. Well, is that it for news, John? That's all I got. Unless you guys got something. I got nothing except an itch to start talking about Carrie. Okay, let's all go. Right, let's do it. <laughs> all right, Hydraberg. This is your pick this week. Kicking us off. For our beloved Women in Horror Month, please tell us why you chose this film. Uh, well, like I said last week, I chose it because I just felt like we were, we've been out long enough. I think as a podcast to finally tackle this one, it's not one I wanted to like do right away, but it's definitely one of those classics you kind of want to touch on. Yeah. I feel like maybe it doesn't feel like it's covered too often. I mean, it is, I guess, probably, but I don't know. It still feels like a film worth talking about, even though everything's been said about it. It's just a great film, I thought. And uh, being Women in Horror Month, I thought it was good, even though it's not, you know, it's not like created by a female or anything, but it's uh, driven by a female. It's about females. It's, you know, female centric. So 
Um, yeah. I thought it would be a good pick. And then I thought Caitlin would be a great guest for it. Obviously, um, yeah. plug it up, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's uh, another Stephen King, right? We don't, we've only done a little Stephen King, I think. Uh, Silver Bullet. Yeah. This. What else? I don't know. Is that it? The things we gotta, add, we gotta get out of the way. Wow. It hit I like the obscure Stephen King stuff. Oh yeah, we did do Misery. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, Misery. We did. You know our show back <laughs> oh. yeah, I guess we've never done any other Stephen King. Oh well. That's true. We did a banger of uh, Misery. <laughs> yeah. I only remember because I was trying to put together some categories that of what I'd covered, and I was like, "What the hell, Stephen King? Have I covered?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that he wrote like basically everything." So <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, oh, true. Children of the Corn. Hey. Oh yeah, that's right. Children oh, there you of the go. Corn. Yep. Sneaky one. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Cool, yep. cool. Well, those are good reasons for choosing it, Hydroburg. And I, I completely get what you're saying that, you know, it's to be honest with you, even three years into our podcast, I'm still a little intimidated to talk mm-hmm. about it. But I just figure like, <laughs> to hell with it. Like, just, let's just do it. I just I want to yeah. go like full steam ahead. So. so that's why we brought in the big guns. Yeah, <laughs> so that she can sound all smart, so I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's where you that's where you go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, ah, she brought her best dick jokes. <laughs> hey, I'll take that too. I'll take that. And, too. and Hydraberg and I are just going to mute ourselves while we after we get into this movie. <laughs> no, I'm not, I really want to hear y'all's thoughts about it too. I'm very curious. I thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I took some so, notes. Yeah. That's fair. Well, yeah. fellas, I think, and lady, it's time to decide: does this film fuck or does it suck? Hydraberg, you go first. Uh, yeah, so like a hot revenge-fueled prom fuck that won't stop fucking on account of some blood, this one's a bloody good fuck. Hey, that was a lot. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, Caitlin, does this film fuck or does it suck? This film fucks. This film fucks for sure. I love it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jacqueline? Ladies first, please. Oh, same. It just, it it's, this is like one of the best fucks ever. <laughs> And I this agree. is one. This is one not to forget. I concur. This is a classic fuck that got away, but you can keep going back to it and enjoy it every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, John, will you please yes. drop the spoiler warning so that we can start talking about this thing? You betcha. Uh, we're going to be talking about Carrie from 1976. If you have not seen this movie, where the fuck have you been? Yeah. Um, <laughs> pause the podcast. Damn. So aggressive. Was that aggressive? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, pause the podcast. Toxic go watch it. <laughs> then come back to find out what we thought about it. <laughs> Talks about that's getting lady. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Yes, because what John is so known for being the most toxic of masculine. Mm-hmm. You know, John. I think it's good. I think people should be. Let's get riled up. They should go watch it. If you haven't watched Fuck it, what, yeah, what the absolutely. fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. like really. Where are they? Yeah, Somewhere with the swords. It's not talks. <laughs> unknown places unknown is where they've been. There we go. It's a classic. You got to watch it. Yeah, just do it like immediately. Mm-hmm. All right, Hydraberg. I'm dying to hear this reach around. Well, I have one. Oh, I got to stretch. All right, moisten the eyes. Do you need to moisten anything? I don't know. I think I'm all right. <laughs> ready? I'm ready. On what seemed just like any other day, came a day that Margaret White thought she prayed away. As blood began to drip down her daughter's leg. For another period was just added to her schedule. Her lack of knowledge in all things menstrual. Cause her peers to be mean and cruel. Shows her foolish nature amongst her other girls. So tampons they hurl. Tommy Ross asked her to prom. Her head starts to swirl. How could he want me? I'm not like the other girls. She can move things and do things by using her mind. As Billy and Chris collect the blood of a swine. All of it giving chills down her mother's spine. Cause mama she suffers from mental illness. 
While locked in the cupboard to pray for forgiveness, we come face to face with the creepiest Jesus. Listening to Miss Collins has got her in trouble. Now teenagers are dead and Tux is blood soaked with ruffles. When a bucket of blood turned a dream to a struggle. To maintain her sanity as she begins to suffer. The tear in her mind no longer a buffer. A young woman died and crucified her mother. Gymnasium ablaze an awful sight. And a prom night filled with fright. The terrifying tale of Carrie White. <laughs> well well done. done, yeah. <laughs> chef's kiss. Oh, I agree with Jacqueline. You got to unmute yourself there, Jacqueline. I did a chef's kiss. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. She, she was so enthralled. <laughs> I, wa- I was like enraptured. <laughs> Hyderberg, your ability with words is really something impressive um i don't i don't even know what to say about that first of all that you rhymed schedule with menstrual brilliant mm. brilliant and i stuck a period in there in her I, I like that it happened yes. in school like yeah i got it yeah. Yeah. i'm not afraid <laughs> of that word good it's, it's weirdly some still it are is. it is yeah. it's, a, it's something can, can it's I taboo ask- to say Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys real quick, uh, and we're all horror movie fans. Where would you put this in your top 10? Is it in your top 10 or is it like maybe just a little bit below? Caitlin, what about you? For me, it's top 10. Part of it because <laughs> of the, the story. I love the story that happens in the movie. Part of it because of the place the movie holds in terms of um, memories of being a young horror fan. I I've mentioned this before, but when I was like 11, I think I always liked spooky stuff. But when I was like 11, one weekend, my friends and I went to Blockbuster and her mom rented us the original Carrie, the original Amityville Horror and the original Poltergeist. And we just did a weekend and then that was like changed me permanently (laughs) forever. So just um, knowing like that, that was the turning point for me and seeing a lot of myself and Carrie and loving the idea of like a, a good for her kind of female rage revenge story. Like it just really sits well in my heart. So because of what it means, because of where it's like, you know, started horror stuff for me and because it means so much to, you know, the, the work that I've done on my podcast, it's, it's up there for me for number 10 or not for number 10, but in the top 10. Got it. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline. Caitlin, it's funny that you talk about it as like one of your entry points into horror because uh, I had a very similar experience. This was, I believe my first like grown up horror movie. Um, my parents were very strict when I was growing up, and like what I could watch was very limited, but they didn't really place any restrictions on what I could read. And so my love of horror began with literature. And so that was like an obsession for me for my whole youth. And then when I was 13, I remember I was reading one of those terrible teen magazines, which I now look back on. I'm like, oh, this is where a lot of my like uh, insecurities comes from. Yeah, shout out for my eating disorder. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, don't let your uh, adolescent girls read teen magazines. Ladies. Yeah, no. um, anyway, so I, I was reading one of those like YM or 17 or one of those. And Tiger Beat. Some no no that's different. Oh, those are like oh, fan oh, magazines. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, those are like fan magazines. These are like I'm talking about magazines Actual that teach women. girls Vogue, like seventeen. Yeah, that teach girls like how to fix all of their you know flaws and how you should wear your hair. How to dress how you... for your body type. It's like okay, listen up, ugly cow. Here's how to dress so that you look like <laughs> ugly. And it's like oh my oh, gosh. That's truly how it is. Yeah, a burlap like, sack so and it cuts some yeah. holes in it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And how to like change your personality so that boys yes, will like so you. Yeah. It's horrible. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I was reading one of those. 
Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. Scarier than the horror books that you're reading. No, no. Absolutely. Looking back, right. I'm like, oh, God. But it was springtime. And so there was a feature on prom dresses and what kind of prom dress you should get. And so they were like, if you're a girly girl, get like a ball gown. If you're unconventional, wear pants. If you're, you know, whatever. And there was one that's like, if you're simple and if you have like a simple, like yet classic personality, which what is that? Make your own. But thing. if that's you, then you could try going for just a, a classic slip dress. A slip dress. Yeah, I need. And it showed. <laughs> yep. See, you know, yeah. Caitlin knows. And it showed. God help me. I don't know why, but it showed a picture of Carrie, not like looking all pretty in her prom mm. dress, but Carrie drenched in blood. Oh, fuck. Oh, and God. I'm like, like looking with the light on. Uh, her. Yes, so it was good. a still shot from that. And so all the all the, the prom stuff like went out of my brain immediately. And I saw that still shot and I'd never heard of this movie before. But it said like, you know, Sissy Spacek and Carrie. And I'm like, what is Carrie? And so I went to my mom and I was like, Mom do you know about this movie Carrie? And she's like, oh yeah. And so I was like, can we watch it? And I guess she decided that at 13, I was old enough for that. And she, so she relented and we rented it and watched it together. And it was really like um, awesome. my first uh, big girl horror movie. Like before that I had watched Hitchcock films, mm -hmm. which I don't want to say those aren't big girl movies, but it's like comparatively speaking, they're quite tame. And it's like, I don't think my parents had any qualms about me watching the birds when I was like 10. So I mean, Carrie's got sex. It's got a fuck ton of nudity right at the top. Yeah. I, I remember when my got friend's mom read it to, to us, women. She was like, I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot how much nudity it was in it. And like, I didn't care. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know, yeah. but like it is a big kid movie in the sense that there's like, she gets her period. It's a uh, mm -hmm. there's nudity. There's sex. That all in happens it. in the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I mean, worried about like, John. I was like, "There's a lot of breasts in this first scene." I, I hope I don't he's know doing if he can take it. A lot of bush in this movie. Yeah, I was like, it's oh, like the dude. biggest female bush I've seen in a long time dude. in the first <laughs> scene, right it. before you see Carrie. Yeah, yeah. I think this opener is really good. It like paints like a clear picture of what it's like for this girl too. And mm -hmm. I think it's very relatable, not just for young women, but just me as a guy, too. I'm just like, I, I mean, we've all been in high school and had moments of embarrassment or we know what kids are like. Mm -hmm. um, it feels a little exaggerated at, at one moment in the shower, but it's meant to sort of feel too like, you know, claustrophobic to her. And she's because of her lack of knowledge of anything, because her mother kept her this way. She's like so scared. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I agree. Like does Meek so well? She yeah, does everything I, I, well in this movie. I, I agree does. and I disagree because I think it does. I think De Palma actually filmed it like you would feel when you're a teenager, you know, bullied and you yeah. don't feel right and you just you're out of place. You know, I thought it was done well. Mm -hmm. You know, for for me, the movie didn't hit because at first, because I saw this like my history of horror is the very first horror movie I saw was Halloween, 1978. Scared the living shit out of me. I was sleeping in my parents' bed. I, they took me back to bed. I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to school. I woke up so exhilarated. I, I, I vividly remember that because I want to I, I watch this movie again. And then as I got more and more to horror movies, you know, I did like the titillating scenes of, of, of nudity and a lot of gore. Because th this movie just went over my head when I watched it. I was maybe 10 when I first watched it yeah. and I'm like, I, I don't understand what's going on in between. I love the first five minutes. I love the last 15 minutes of this mm -hmm. movie. Well, you know, not, with like, you know, mom, you're like, a... what's going on? 
it's not speaking to a 10 year old boy necessarily. No, it's really, it, no. it's really not. And, and you know, I don't blame myself for not getting it oh, no, yeah, yeah. 10, 10 years old. But as I got older, I'm like, I want to go see this again. And then, you know, I asked the question of, is it in your top 10? This movie absolutely is in my top 10, you know, it, without question. I don't have to move anything around. It's yeah. it's in my top 10. I don't think I answered I you before, but it's definitely my top 10 also. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really yeah. answer it. I don't really have a top 10. I have like a top five and I could consider a 10, I guess. This could definitely be there. And if it wasn't, it's not because it's not a top 10 movie. It's just because I put something else that I enjoyed. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's always something new coming out, or you, yeah. you find out. And it's hard gem. when there's so much good yeah. stuff out there. But Absolutely. this, I mean, this is. But I mean, this, this is, is iconic. Yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, this there's so much good about this film, to be honest. So. It's a great Jack story, and it's good cinema. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can I can I ask a question? And I'm sorry to like give away some trivia. Um, no, no, it's okay. I, do, it. do it. Do it. I I'm just I'm asking for my own sake because I know you do the trivia. Is that sting every time she does telekinesis? Is that the sting from Psycho? It's it is the same notes. Um, it's not like ripped. It's not like Bernard Herman doing mm. it, but it is the same okay. notes. It's just a different like yeah. musician or whatever. It's faster a little it's bit like, too. It's like oh, it's, it's, it's like appropriated mm -hmm. for the film. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like very quick, but then like it happened multiple times. I'm like, yeah. There's crazy. one time that it happens in particular where it sounds just like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the he, on the bike, creepy carry, creepy carry, and she's yeah. like, and when like the mirror breaks, <laughs> and yeah, she, so De Palma had wanted Bernard Herman to do the score, and he was going to do it, but he died like just a few months before um, filming or before it was time to score the movie or something, and so he it just didn't work out, unfortunately. Damn. Yep. That's the music was great. I thought the music mix was great because oh, it's, it's like awesome. it's like so so it, it gives you this false sense of hope. You know, throughout mm -hmm. the movie, and it's like, oh, oh yeah. you know, this is going to be a sweet movie, and then yeah, because it's this light melody that plays throughout. Yeah, it's that like sort of fluty at the beginning where, yeah, you know, all the other girls are are nude and like kind of towel whipping each other and like laughing and being boisterous in the in the locker room. And Carrie, who is very childlike because of the way she was raised, and is so meek, and is just like taking her time in the shower, soaping herself, and like you hear the music just sort of like. Peaceful over very her. romantic. It's very romantic, and and then like everything changes, and then the blood, and, yeah. and then even the perspective changes. Like it goes from her like gently soaping her body to her like covered in blood, like her hands in the air asking for help because she has no idea what's going mm -hmm. on. And mm -hmm. that's what I love about this sort of general trope of monstrous menstruation. I, I like that it's a it's a gendered coming of age trope, and mm -hmm. that's the whole point of it. You know, she comes of age and everybody's scared of her because my she's theory about <laughs> she well yeah she's like bloody yeah. finger touching them. they're like which is fair <laughs> when they when they pan to miss collins shorts and the principal's like <laughs> but um for me that's what monstrous menstruation embodies like it's this coming of age thing where you go from being a sweet in general and in, in theory a sweet controllable malleable little girl to an uncontrollable and in carrie's sense extremely powerful Mm -hmm. woman who is not able to be controlled and in her case there's some supernatural stuff going on with it where she's a witch but that's like the essence of what that trope means to me and the the beginning alone encapsulates all of it so well and like you just know that from here she's gonna be a monster and in a way that i love i go off carry mm -hmm. and get your revenge but i love it yeah no yeah it makes for an interesting story well and right off play. the sorry go ahead no i said there's just there's a lot of play in this story yeah, well, so one of the things that I want to start talking about is 
her mother and the way that she's been raised by her mother because the reason that this whole scene takes place is that she has not been informed mm -hmm. of what this is. Nobody has prepared her for this. I thought I was dying, no health Mama. Class, though? <laughs> health class at her age? I not back then. I don't not know. Not back then. They didn't have like family that. life and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I like, I was dying. And so, they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> so, of course, to the other characters, Carrie is acting like completely mad. I mm -hmm. mean, because, like, who reacts like that to getting their period? She's but, also older than most girls. Exactly. Are and so it's like, how do you not know this by now? Yeah. Like, this is a very late onset. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like unthinkable that a girl this age would not have been sat down by her mother and, and told what this was. And mm -hmm. so if you think about it, so it looks from an outsider's point of view, like within the movie, it looks like she's acting totally insane. But if mm -hmm. you if you think about it and you realize that she literally thinks that she is hemorrhaging to death, yeah, then her reaction, I think, is completely understandable. But of course, they can't understand that yeah. about her. Well, and most people, even if they do have an overbearing, extremely religious fanatic parent, they would have friends that had already gotten their period or would tell them mm -hmm. about it or had a cousin or, you know, like all of us usually yeah. have someone that introduces us to those concepts, whether we hear it from our parents or at school or otherwise. But Carrie doesn't have that because she's in total isolation. Like it's so extreme. The religious sort of oppression is so extreme that she's not going to get it from any angle. And you just I you feel so bad for her. And at the same time, those other kids are like, ew, don't touch me, freak. Like, you know, it's it's bullying, but it's also like you understand their reaction to her over when they throw the tampons that's where it starts yeah. getting like out of hand you know what i mean it's so fucked up yeah is carrie but, is she 16 or 17 or are the characters about, there. Yeah, about 17 yeah, she's like 16 she's going to prom okay yeah um yeah. yeah i just the scene's like awesome it's just shot great though when miss collins comes in it's like slaps her and then the light bulb breaks mm -hmm. it's just like the first cue and what i wanted to i was wondering do you think her powers were brought on by her menstruation? Like, as an audience, we don't see the powers uh, used until she has her menstruation, and then the powers are there, they manifest. But I'm wondering if she was able to ever wiggle things or do anything before that. So, That's kind of the thesis of Wolf Plug It Up, was that this this change happens with the onset of womanhood. That, mm -hmm. like, you know, you get these powers or, you yeah. know, a monster's like a metaphor, yeah, you said. Yeah, as a metaphor. Yeah, as a metaphor. And I, it's been so long since I've read Carrie the book that I can't remember if she always had it, but it wouldn't matter if like her, if her mom had suppressed all of it down so much anyway, that it was not going to be, she wasn't going to access it anyway until it bubbles mm. to the surface and she just can't control it anymore that she's coming into her womanhood. Jack, yeah, so, so according to the book, she does have this ability earlier in life, like even when she's like a toddler. Her aware of it a little bit. Yes. Like and denial. so I think that... If you're if you're coming at this from the point of view of the book, like if you're if you're reading the film the same way as the book, you could even sort of interpret this as like Carrie's mother's awareness of her daughter's ability. Like it's it's something that she like doesn't want to sort of like explicitly admit, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. But she is aware of it, even if she kind of doesn't want to acknowledge it. And I think that like I always read the book as like that awareness made her come down on Carrie even harder with yeah, her so maybe that's yeah. why she she's creep. scared of Carrie she's scared yeah. of her and that's why she comes like Hydra comes down so hard. yeah so yeah. whereas if she had not had that power at all and of course as a young child like you can't articulate that or you can't control it it's like you, you may she may not even be aware of it herself as a small child but um if she had not had that power 
I think it's possible. I mean, you could speculate that perhaps the mother wouldn't have been quite so hard on her. I mean, yeah, yeah still a fanatic, but maybe I mean, not her mother quite has like so contempt hard. for her, and it's almost like it's her own, but she's redirecting it at. Well, she projects yeah, so much her shame That's onto Carrie. Yeah. It's, yeah. She's yeah. full of self-loathing. We see later, <laughs> later when she, you know. Heidelberg, I, I didn't get the vibe that, that she, she projected that on her. She projected her own oh. beliefs and tried to really repress. I mm -hmm. think, I think until she like, she's like, why am I like, like questioning her mother? That's when mom just became. Yeah. But her very fear defensive. of sex was her own that she pushed on her daughter and she didn't even allow. No, I, I, I get that. But it wasn't until that she, she did have her first period and, and yeah. you know, she, uh, Carrie was like questioning why mama, why? You know, it's like it, it almost I mean, seemed like like the way this it was set up. It was like like Carrie never questioned anything about her mom. Well, just imagine I, just living in a two women. In my opinion, sorry. And and this poor girl not ever being told about like what's going to happen to her as she grows older. It's just so sad that this woman was just feels so I don't know. I guess alienated from the real world. She's so like mentally ill or. Well, she's projecting all of her shame yeah. about her sexuality onto Carrie and Carrie being the mm -hmm. product of her sexual exploits. And mm. yeah, I, I mean, that's the other <clears throat> sort of thing I cover on. Well, there's a lot of things I cover, but monstrous motherhood and Margaret White, primo monstrous mother. Piper Laurie, oh, so good in this. She's oh, so man. scary, oh. so scary and so mean spirited, but like mean-spirited with the power of the lord like it's just mm -hmm. it's so intense god she's so good it's like every Dude, time she they, looks at carrie she sees her own sin like, so much contempt in those eyes yeah. i'm like god yeah. damn Piper and there's a, there's a couple scenes where they were where they act in the same room together um and it's so good well, and I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is the evolving relationship between carrie and her mother um I mean, obviously, her mother's very abusive towards her, mm. very psychologically right. manipulative. Um, like, for instance, a scene where Carrie's getting ready to go to the prom and she's waiting for Tommy to show up. And the mother is using every, like, psychological manipulation trick in the book to try to keep her home. I mean, mm. she's just so manipulative. She's hurting herself. Yeah, but it's like with the with this discovery and acknowledgement of her own power that she's just discovering within herself, Carrie, I mean... It's like that discovery gives her a lot of power, both mm -hmm. like literally and figuratively, or maybe that's not exactly what I mean. I guess I mean like physically and metaphysically in mm -hmm. a way. Like she has this metaphysical power, you know, obviously the telekinesis, but it also gives her power in the relationship with her mother. And you see her start to talk back mm -hmm. and which is like emboldening. Like it makes me go, yeah. But at the same time, it also makes me really afraid for her. When she uh, goes, things are going to change around here. And I was like, oh, oh God. Mm -hmm. And you know. love to see it because Margaret White, Margaret White's so afraid of Carrie and that's why she's so mean and that's why she's so wrapped up in this yeah. fervor, this religious fervor. And But it's like, God, I don't know, man. You got to let your daughter ride it out. She's going to become her own woman and there's no uh -huh. stopping it now. Like, nature is coming for you. <laughs> she tries yeah, to but make I think Carrie she truly think believes that she can, like, force her to stay pure or... Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She well, blames I mean, her period on her impure thoughts almost. It's like, oh, you brought upon this by thinking impurely, obviously, about sex yeah. and boys. Well, and she did get her period late. So for her mom, yeah. she's probably like, oh, yes. Well, so her, me keeping her chaste and mm -hmm. pure. That, it was working. working. And I yeah. it was working. She's failed. Yeah. Yeah. She's failed. Yeah. Yeah. She's not yeah, homeschooled, true. honestly. Truly. But, yeah. I don't know, know if they Margaret's got to get out there and preach the Lord. That's true. 
But like, so I hate that the teacher, I mean, this is the right choice, but just emotionally, I hate that the, that Miss um, Collins calls home before Carrie yeah. gets there to tell her mother about what happened. And so yeah. you see her on the phone. Actually, no, wait, Carrie is home, but she's on the phone and you see her. First of all, Piper Laurie's acting is just so good. So her she's hair. on the phone and she's, she's very her calm. <laughs> like you don't even hear Miss Collins end of the conversation, but you know what this call is about mm -hmm. because she's very calm and she's listening. She's like, yes. And then you see her eyes flicker up like towards the upstairs room where Carrie is. And she and knows like, she's oh, listening. Shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, she knows. And then the next time Carrie comes into the room, Margaret says, you're a woman now. And it sounds like such a condemnation. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not a celebration. It's not even like matter of fact. It's like a judgment. Like you have, it's almost like you've crossed this, like, you've crossed some kind of Rubicon. Like there's no going mm. back. Like you you're have not, sinned oh, irredeemably. You're not innocent anymore. You're impure. And yeah. it's one of the first, worst things that she could do. And it's, that's an unstoppable movement of nature. That's not anything that anyone can prevent. That's just how she is. But yeah, it is set like a judgment. And she castigates her. She like gets, you know, she has Carrie get down on her knees and does the Eve was weak. And, you know, she's like, mm -hmm. oh, they'll smell it on you. They'll smell it on you like a bloodhound and come. And it's just like, oh, Jesus, God. getting your her period is not the same so thing. It's so good. But she, you know, if she conflates all of it, like, you know, becoming a woman means you're sex sexual and being sexual means that you're impure and being impure means that you have no worth and being worthless means you're going to hell. And like all these things stemming from womanhood and this sort of inherent misogyny that exists within a patriarchal religious structure and that exists within there's so much internalized misogyny that margaret white is dealing with and projecting right onto her daughter who is just trying to fucking live thank you for saying that thought which was in my head but i would not have been able to articulate it nearly as well so thank you for saying that um extremely well I'll send you all the, the books I got on menstruation that I read before I started plugging up. And that makes <laughs> sense to you. Awesome. It's highly religious, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's where so much of it comes from. It's like yeah. well, a lot of this taboo around menstruation and around periods comes from the fact that that is something that not all people that menstruate are women, you know, but that, that's the thing that it's women do. It's a form do. of life, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's a sign of life. It's like Exactly. And there are some cultures that re revere it and treat it the way that, or, or just don't address it because it's just a, like you said a fact of life but in a sort of patriarchal society it's like well if this is something that's specific to women and women are bad and we want to control them then this is bad and this is taboo mm -hmm. and that's yeah. where allowed that taboo and um just sort of ostracization comes from around menstruation. yeah and some meant to be told it's evil uh you all you bleed for seven days well, yeah, the curse of eve yeah yeah committed original sin like because she, she can't be controlled carrie is, a, is no longer a child so she can't be controlled yeah. and because she has powers she is the one in control now and it, it flips that script in such a cool way i noticed too in her household you mentioned she's judged like Almost everywhere she goes, there's imagery, religious imagery, mostly Jesus. Just she like cannot escape at it. Her. The last supper scrutinized. The last I supper mean, scene. Oh my god! And then at the, their the, fucking table, Jesus it's like we're dining with Jesus every night. Oh, and then in that the prayer closet. The, the, the creepy cheese. Is that a plug-in or do its eyes just yeah, eternally sure. glow? Like what that thing that was thing? awesome. I, I think it's scary as fuck. It's creepy. I didn't know that prayer closets were an actual thing but they are i the guest that i had on my carry episode was like oh yeah i had a prayer closet growing up and i was like what? come again but like yeah treating it like this little like jail cell is just fucking you're a wild. wizard harry yeah. like, so so <laughs> was was that that 
uh, that that model of Jesus is that foreshadowing of what happens later in the movie? Absolutely, like, the crucifixion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the there's mother. hair and, even glued and, onto and, this figure to look like um, Piper Laurie. Oh yeah, it does kind okay. of have a bushy yeah. sort well, of. Well, and, and then it's hair. Hair. It's like Jesus the way the knives are placed when mm -hmm. she. When she does, like right, yeah. Although yeah. I have to, I have to share one thing with you guys. Um, okay. Because this trivia is germane to this conversation. Um, apparently, after what, like almost thirty years of having watched this movie a lot, um, I've learned for the first time that that figure in the prayer closet is not actually Jesus Christ. Oh. It's supposed to be Saint Sebastian. Okay. Mm. Now, he... what that means, I don't know, but it's not supposed to be Jesus Christ. Oh, that would explain is like, why it looks a little funky. And like it can, it can for filmmaker and prop designer perspective represent that. And at the same time, to the audience, be like, I recognize that as Jesus. Like yeah. For me, who yeah, I didn't grow up religious Jesus and didn't know much about it, and I was like, that looks like what I think Jesus is. So, yeah. So that's it the works thing. It's like, ways, why, you know? why have a specific? I don't know. Like, why well, have arrows? Some... Didn't I, I? don't remember seeing arrows. Sometimes, like the arrows definitely stuck out to me. They look different mm. as far as crucifix yeah. go. But her so, getting, I mean, I mean, we're getting ahead, but like her being crucified yeah. at the end is just like, and she's like orgasming as she yes. does it. Yeah. This is the yeah. first time I noticed that. Well, so here's my thought about that. I'm also that. older now. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've already kind of touched on her own internalized misogyny, her own kind of self-loathing, her own shame over her, you know, so-called sin mm. and the way she projects that onto Carrie. I think that shame is like strong and it's deep within her and i think it's informed like everything about the way that she has raised carrie and the way that she conducts her life now i feel like she is through her like proselytizing i feel like she's constantly trying to find ways to atone even though i think that they're misguided i think she's trying to find ways to atone and i think when she gets like stabbed with all those kitchen utensils I think that she is having a moment of ecstasy because yeah. I think that she He's is ascended. feeling like this is my way that <laughs> yeah. I I'm finally atoning for my sins. Mm -hmm. I'm finally like um, it's it's almost like she's achieved some kind of spiritual purity mm. now. I feel like she's yeah. having like almost like a spiritual orgasm, if that makes yeah. any sense in at the all. Same well, that's imagery. I think this is like a rapturous. This is like a rapturous yeah. moment for her. It's like an ultimate self-flagellation that she's like, oh, this is the ultimate thing I can do. Well, if you've seen Saint Maud and Saint and Maud in yeah. that movie, she has a lot of self-flagellation and a lot of um, self-harm and a lot of. Uh, it's the same thing, but like yeah. there is there are documented cases of uh, cases of people perceiving religious ecstasy and coming to orgasm because of the physical sensations around it and because of the you know um metaphysical sensations around it but also yeah she's she's got this like wave of pleasure rolling over her because yeah she thinks that this is what's going to bring her salvation like been i've been trying like, so long to repent for what is just like about she had sex who fucking cares you know but it's like <laughs> she has sex which is a very human thing but for her worst thing that could have happened and the product of her sin is with her every day it's carrie you know mm -hmm. that's the the product of her and carrie has these weird abilities that if she knew about this whole time she's been carrying this too like yeah she's like oh and satan cursed her and uh -huh. yeah but when she's crucified and she's feeling this like wave of ecstasy roll over her, she, yeah, comes to orgasm, which is, there is a historical precedent for that happening, not just for women, but for some people that indulge in self-flagellation as it relates to religious sort of prostration. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because she was also upstairs too, like when she admitted to the sexual acts, that her carnal acts with the, her father, 
Uh, she got into it. Yeah, she was like, I enjoyed it. You know, the whiskey breath. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. The whiskey it. on his breath. Yeah. It's so dramatic. Whiskey. I love it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, we it's sat, also we cool. We prayed and then he took me. <laughs> well, and, and right before that, we get Carrie sort of baptized, like uh, this sort of baptismal scene of Carrie lowering herself into the tub. And, you know, she finally gets all the blood off Cleansing of her and herself. she's kind of cleansed herself. And then right back at it, like, you know, she's smeared with blood again, but this time from her mom, from a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. I, the, the religious imagery in this is so, it, it runs so deep. And I, I, that's not my area of expertise, but I love, I mean, it's enough that I can culturally pick up like what's going on here. And I, I don't know, they just did a great job of conveying that. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Totally and her mother's got her, uh, her dirty pillows out in that scene too. She's she like does. got her nighty on. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to that. What? (laughs) I gotta say too that like when Carrie's walking home and she's like blood soaked and like it's kind of hot. I'm not. I don't know. There's something about her like I don't know. Her her dress is like just clinging to her body. Yeah, like because of the old. There's so much about that. Like she's kind of. I I love when a figure goes catatonic so much and that they let. I love when Carrie lets her powers take her over. Mm. That's one thing I didn't love about the 2013 remake is at the end, Chloe Grace Moritz is kind of like like water bending or like fire bending and like yeah. doing all these things where it's like she's manipulating reality whereas in the, in the this mind, version 76 know. it like takes over her and just like she, it all happens in this synchronized way but she's not like directing it she's just letting it flow through yeah. her which is so Kate, cool. Caitlin I agree with that and I, I actually went down the rabbit hole because I watched the the uh, sequel and I did watch the remake but the, oh, you're wow. absolutely yeah you you're absolutely right I mean it was just almost like the way Sissy Basic was walking, it was something different. It didn't feel like, you know, like like you know, I'm cold or something like that. She just almost yeah. like a zombie. Starts with her like eyes, that. like when the car yeah. behind her with Chris, and she just turns around, you know, and just <clears throat> yeah, she, her eyes be so big. Yeah, well, and then, she's one so thing I don't believe about that scene is that that John Travolta, Billy would let uh, Chris drive the car during that moment. I feel like <laughs> no way, babe. Well, what you were saying about the the blood clinging to her, and, and Jacqueline, this is probably in your trivia later, and correct me if I'm wrong on the, the number here, but Sissy Spacek, in order to keep continuity of shots for the prom scene, slept, like kept that makeup oh, yeah, on and slept in rash, it for right? days. Really? Three days. Three days. Yep. I thought it was, Whoa. I knew there was like a religious she connection didn't wash. to Same. Jesus yeah. in three days. But yeah, she didn't wash it off to keep the continuity of shots. That's so crazy. And I cannot imagine That's how commitment, itchy though. the it core is. Though, oh, God, that must have felt terrible. Oh. But when, um, God, she is so good. Because the can move. I talk for a sec? Oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, can I talk for a second about that moment where she's like, she goes into that almost kind of trance like state that you guys were talking about? Um, I found some really interesting trivia, and I just wanted to bring it up now because it's specifically about this. Um, so De Palma directed her to carry herself that way based on a painting, uh, by an artist named Gustave Moreau. Um, and I'll send, I'll send this to you guys later and I'll also put it up on our socials, but, um, there's this painting of Lady Macbeth Mm. by Gustave Moreau. And I read that in trivia and then I looked it up and, you know, I expected it to be like, maybe kind of like a loose connection or like a loose interpretation of that but when i pulled up the painting it was striking how similar it is and how well she conveyed like the feeling of that painting in the way that she was carrying herself i can't wait to send it to you guys um well which makes sense because lady Macbeth, her whole thing is she can't get the blood off her hands yeah and there's like it's you know a little bit of a different vibe and but she's also when i was in my senior year of high school we were reading Macbeth, and i loved my senior my 
English teacher senior year. And he was like, okay, we're going to read this out loud. And he was like, all right, I need like, I need a lady Macbeth. I need like a real shrew of a woman. And my friend, Matt, who is still one of my best friends, he was like, oh, Caitlin. And I was like, <laughs> and he he didn't mean it in like a mean way. And like, I knew exactly how he meant it. In a, and I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, but now I'm always, I have like a spiritual soft spot for Lady Macbeth because Matt was like, oh, mm. you, Caitlin. <laughs> Well, and that's a fantastic psychological study in and of itself, but uh, that's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) The, uh, the film kind of, I like that the film sort of bookended with a scene in the beginning that starts with blood. And then she, when she comes home and she's bathed in blood and there's that scene when she comes up the stairs and she's catatonic and the, I don't know, she's just going up so slowly and the house is, all the windows are lit up because all the candles being lit inside the house. It's just like the Palma, I don't know, shoots whoever did the cinematography and the, the framing and everything, just every shot is just like, you could drink it in the prom scene alone is just scene, gorgeous. The sats, the color saturation in this film too. The one thing that I really have been thinking about lately, and I, I thought about it when I covered may is that I think we've become so focused on realism, especially within horror lately, because that is scary, right? If we have mm-hmm. very like realistic, realism type images versus like these supernatural surrealist things that are going on that that dissonance is scary but we're so focused on realism that we've gotten away from what makes things cinematic and when i was watching the prom scene in particular he has those diopter shots where it's like half carry half what's going on and it's Mm -hmm. like truly cinematic like explosions of when the water is hitting the electricity it's fire going off in the background it's that's cinema and like when Mm -hmm. When the whole, like, they're all going to laugh at you is playing in her head and it's like a kaleidoscope of laughing mm-hmm. faces. We don't do shit like that anymore. We don't nah. do it as often. We get a lot of, like, A24, we're going to invert the frame so that the, the audience loses their footing. I get that. But I love, I'm like, that's old-fashioned movies, baby. Stuff Give that feels like, it feels like a movie. A movie. That's, I, that's, Palmer, what you're like, that's his yeah. style. You know, that it, double yeah. shot in one, two-in-one shot. It's so mm-hmm. cool. And... It's- it just so it good. looks good. I'm like, God, I I miss that in movies. The I shots are like her on like one moment of her full body, and then like the close up of her <clears throat> yes, face in the yeah. background, and then everything just goes to red. Like yeah, I just red. I love, and then you hear the, the buzz and, of the lights. Oh. Yeah, I the the way she opens her eyes. I mean, she's got such a expressive mm-hmm. eyes. You know, it was so beautifully done. I mean, it was just like the way she would like turn her head and then you know keeping her eyes open, almost like they had to put drops in there, especially with <laughs> yeah. a blank or it's something. Mayhem, but it's gorgeous. You know what I mean? It is. It is. Well, in terms of like the blocking, I'm sure that whoever the like whoever the safety manager on set that day was probably like, oh god, today's gonna be chaotic. I mean, like, we gotta yeah. lock these it's people like in. Attention got... to it that I love. Yeah, yeah. there's like well, we got pyrotechnics happening. We've got yeah, we've got yeah. Yeah, you see the bucket gag right, and then like they build up to it, and it's just like there for a while before it d- ever done. Yeah, the, there's like t- five so solid minutes tension. of anticipation of that. Yeah. Uh, we see literal two, tension, and we finally figure out like oh Sue's not in on it. That's where you yeah. finally because they have the red herring of whether Tommy's in on it and Sue, and they're doing this to set it up for Chris to do the bucket, or if it's just all Chris, and you kind of right. see that Sue figures out once he she's a little. The well, little and I feel like audiences moment. today might see like or Sue putting together like. Like following the rope with her eyes might feel yeah. like a little cheesy, like but it's it. not cheesy because yeah, here it's done extremely well. And uh-huh. De Palma trusts the audience to be patient enough uh-huh. to to follow that rope up, to look down, to get the slow mo of Mrs. Collins like clapping of the other kids, right. and then it's like fuck, the tension builds so perfectly. 
And I also, it's music. The music of this scene Mm -hmm. is that it kind of subverts of what you think is going to happen, but you know what's going to happen, even though you've seen this multiple times. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 Well, it it switches back and forth quite a bit. Like you have that 70s flute music, like, do, 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 do. And then it's like, da 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 da, and then you know, it, and then it goes back to the soft. Yeah. And Sue's and just like, trying oh, to stop it. Okay. Collins thinks she's stopping it by stopping Sue, but. Well, she... that's good about giving two perspectives of two feelings of what this moment feels like in time for these characters. For Carrie, uh-huh. it really is this like people aren't bad. Like she tells her mom, like not everybody's bad, Mama. Some people are good, and she finally is feeling it, and then hits with that wham of. Yeah. And it matches the music. Like he does it without, it doesn't have to be in dialogue. We, it just, we interpret it because of the sort of split diopter of like what's happening. Yeah. Let me ask you, do you guys think that Tommy was actually falling for Carrie? I don't know about falling, but he was definitely like, I don't I think know. He's having a good time. I think he was caught up in the moment. Yeah. He saw I, what was bringing out. It was bringing out like the true, you know, Carrie, the real girl inside that she wasn't allowed yeah. to be. So, well, and yeah, I wonder, I, I wonder if she was bringing out the true Tommy in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I've always found, well, wait, I've always found the character of Tommy to be sort of baffling because he didn't write that poem. You remember he admits to her at the, at the table. He's yeah. like, well, I asked you, she's like, why'd you ask me? And he's like, well, cause you like my poem. He's like, but I didn't write it. Somebody else did. And it's like, but she you know, thought he did. He, yeah, she did. But there's like a weird, there's a weird divide between this real kind of like smart ass shithead that he portrays early in the film. Like he's that kid who's always laughing in class. who doesn't mm-hmm. take anything seriously. And, you know, when Carrie says she likes the poem in class, like she dares to speak up under his breath he's like you suck like he seems like a real asshole i thought he was saying that to the teacher who was that's what i thought it was it was the teacher because the teacher pointed out the teacher's like really carrie do you love it and then he's like you suck and i I thought he was star spangled banner like you know my whole life i've thought he was directing that carrie well that makes him less of an asshole (laughs) carrie my take on tommy is that he's like he's like the the guy in school that like you know is like a good-hearted himbo a little bit, <laughs> but he like has a bunch of stupid fucking friends. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he has to play up a certain yep. persona. And around, yeah. and he's different when he's around his girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And and same for Sue. Like Sue, I love when Miss Collins is punishing them, and Chris is like, "I'm not," go-, you know. And then Sue's like, "Just shut up, Chris." Yeah. Like I think yeah. both Sue and Tommy exist as these characters, these archetypes of people that we all knew in school and in life that are like good people at their core, but they surround themselves with yep. assholes. So mm-hmm. when you do get them alone, you do see Carrie kind of bring out the best in Tommy and Tommy bring out a little bit of magic that's, in Carrie. I think that's where she kind of comes around too. When she sees Chris's behavior, she's like, no, I don't want to be like this. And I think yeah. that's where she kind of thinks like, maybe I can do something nice for Carrie. Yeah. Well, well I think they're I, fundamentally I, different. Like, you, you see a little bit of Sue's home life. Like she seems to have like a, a, you know, very loving mother and her family seems like pretty normal. Like, you know, they're having dinner the night of the prom. Everybody's mm-hmm. like at the table, you know, it looks fairly functional. Mm-hmm. Um, except when she just gets up and leaves, I'm like, what in the Caucasian is this that you can just get up and leave the dinner table and <laughs> not like, tell oh, your parents where you're going? I don't know. Oh, that would not happen in my house, but I um, like Mrs. Snow. That's racist. Mrs. Jack, Snow. Well, she's amazing. <laughs> what did you say? Andrew? So that's racist. <laughs> I don't when, care. 
And Mrs. White says, these are godless times, Miss Snell. And she goes, I'll drink to that. I'm like, yeah, yeah go she's off, like, Miss Snell. She's like well-adjusted. Right? She doesn't yeah. give her a time. Yeah, I, Mrs. Snell is not like uptight and all this. But like by contrast, Chris's behavior leads me to have strong suspicions about the stability of her home life. She like, reminds me of Wendy from Prom Night. Mm-hmm. Well, she gets slapped by her boyfriend repeatedly and yes, like seems to think it. that that's like okay. Like she doesn't really object to yeah. that so much. It's like she seems to accept that as normal. You know, this guy's cussing at her. Like she treats him pretty abusively and yeah, he treats her toxic. pretty abusively. And I feel like these yeah. maybe learned behaviors, uh, Probably, you know, things that have that seem normal to her. Well, it's very so, transactional. She's like starts to go down on him and she's like, I hate Carrie. Why First I need of all, you to do something in person important? It looks like, like she's going down on him when she says that. There's no. They should, should have been like, I ooh, ooh, hate. Yeah, Carrie. how was she going to say? Billy, and she was Billy. talking the He's whole like, time. Oh, Billy, yeah. oh, Billy. I'm like, your mouth is like, I don't. Yeah, Travolta is such a cooter in this movie. That's not, to borrow um, a phrase from Straight Show. There's not even any sound of spit sucking. He's get, he's doing the whole like welcome back Cotter. Like yeah. that's like I was like, oh, you did not change up your character <laughs> at all. You just did that one. But you're right, Jack. Vinny Barbarino like... wouldn't be that evil. No. No, true. No. true. He's just kind of like a he's he's kind of a himbo. Yeah. He's a himbo who's like easily swayed, and it's like, I wish you weren't so dumb because you could probably be nice. He was like, Carrie White sure is pretty. And it's like, yeah, see, like there's something in there where it's like, you're not. I don't know, but he's he's dumb enough to let himself be swayed by someone. Yeah, you're about evil to dump pig Chris. blood on some poor girl, bro. Like, yeah. and obviously this guy's not in high school anymore. He's clearly yes, <laughs> like the twenty-something-year-old who's dating the eighteen-year-old girl. Well, and if I have one criticism, and it's not really a criticism, but one thing I do remember about the book, and that I'll always remember, just because of my lived experience, is that in the book Carrie is overweight. She is plus size, and like I'm a larger-bodied individual. I've always I always have been. When I've been bullied, that's been a part of it. But that's why they pick pig's blood because they're calling her, they call her a pig and a cow and they come back to pig a lot because of her size. And, Mm. you know, in 1976, I feel like they were like, we can't have her be weird and fat, God forbid, you know? So it's like they, they went with Sissy Spacek, who is gorgeous, of course, you know, she's weird and stark in this, but in her own way, she's still obviously dropped in gorgeous. But that's one thing that, one change that I wish they hadn't made, I guess, I wish they had kept her in a larger body because I think it would have hit even harder um, for people like me, at least, that that's been a part of my lived experience. But um, that's why it's pig's blood in particular, because, you know, they could have gotten it. I mean, a chicken might have been easier to wrangle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'd forgotten uh, that detail. Thanks yeah. for reminding me about that. Caitlin, who do you think would have played a good part? in 1976 of Carrie, if that's the case, because I, I would be interested to see that big time. Cause this is basic. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's, she's so, so uniquely, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, she's so good. She's beautiful. But, but again, I, I, I like the idea of that, you know, more, I don't like the idea of bullying, but, but it gives hot take. <laughs> I know. I, I don't. No, bullying honestly, bad. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, bullying bad. <laughs> bullying bad. Bullying's always been, always been bad. We've yeah. all been bullied. So um, I don't know. I, is there an actor in 1976 that would have portrayed this part almost perfectly? You know, it's it's hard to say because I feel like we didn't have a lot of plus size representation back then. Yeah. And I, 
I only think of this because I fucking love her to this day. It's a young Kathy Bates. Could have, I was just going to say that. I was going to say that too. She was a stage actress her. at that time, though. Um, Misery was, was her really? first film role. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And she's just she so, she's so good. She's so good. <laughs> she, and like, I feel like she would, we know she can portray an obsessive. They have a, they have a heavier actress in this. Um... Oh yeah. Edie McClurg. Yeah. Oh dude. The, the secretary from Paris Bueller's yeah, Day yeah, Off. Yeah. I, I, I had to the look Hogan that up. I was like, Helen. Hey, some other yeah. show. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. She was in Natural One Killers. Yep. She was what's her name's mom, Mallory's She's mom. A lot of stuff. Yeah. He's a righteous dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I noticed with this watch, and um, obviously I, I realize now it's more intentional, but having watched several films with Mia Goth this past year, I see so much of where she pulled her character from X and especially Pearl with mm -hmm. this um when sissy's speaking even like the cadence of the way she speaks as pearl that mother scene in pearl reminds me mm -hmm. so much now the scene with interesting carrie i'm like oh man they're probably and ty west you know being the big horror guy yeah. so i'm sure he was like yeah we're gonna get some carrie vibes out of this scene well, and yeah. i think sissy spacek might be from texas yeah she's got yeah. such a and it's interesting because she's one of the only characters that has that very southern way of speaking because she's like no mama why did yeah, you it was like me? no yeah. things are going to change mama yeah. i want to be a star you know what i mean it felt <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah i was like waiting for her to say like a that. super cut of uh, oh, yeah, i'll add it to my little bumper that i have where it's all the different <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no i i love the way she speaks i think it adds to her being just so kind of out of touch and outsidery compared to everyone else in the movie even her own mm -hmm. mom like they don't speak the same her mom speaks in this like flowery biblical language that has this like gravitas of scripture behind it mm -hmm. and here yeah. he's like very sing-songy very meek and very like soft at first and just it everyone nails the way that they're supposed to behave in this movie yeah, Margaret almost yeah. sounds like she's trying to sound like a preacher oh uh -huh. pulpity like I want yeah. her to bang on a pulpit yeah <laughs> yep. yep I have yep. a question for you guys too do it's an older film. Do you think at all ever Miss Collins oversteps her bounds at all? And <laughs> like some scenes she does, obviously. She smacks a you know, kid. I was a high school teacher. If I smacked the but shit out of a kid or told to a coach. kid. Oh, you'd be in jail. I was being a teen, oh. yes. Yeah. But in that yeah. scene, you feel like she's justified because you like, yeah, fucking. Oh, she's it. never wrong. She's yeah. never wrong when she's like, it's a real it. shitty thing you did. Real shitty. And, and I'm questions like, like the thing about yeah. Sue and Tommy. She brings them together yes. like. Are you guys fucking with Carrie with this? Like, what's going on here? She's very protective of Carrie. Yeah. I love So her. I love the character of Miss Collins. She's actually one of my very favorite parts of this movie. And I think that there's actually, like, a lot of nuance to her. And there didn't have to be. Uh, but I think that there's a lot there. It works um, for later when she dies because you're kind of like, oh, man. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Because from Carrie's perspective, it's like, she was in on it too. And it's like, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so there's there's a detail in both this movie and in the book where Miss Collins is protecting Carrie, but at the same time, she can understand the girls, like the way that the other girls treat her. Like in the movie, she says something like, But the thing is, I like I kind of wanted to shake her myself. It was yeah. just her period, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. in the book, she kind of it's it even goes a little further, if I remember correctly. I feel like she almost is kind of like disgusted by Carrie as well, but she feels like this moral duty to like try to help her anyway, just kind of as the adult in the room. Um, and they so do I give her a lot of good nuance where it's like, yeah, she's 16, get a grip. And yeah. also like, she's like, whoa, with that, that mother of hers. So like, she knows how Carrie got to be 
Yeah. I always like the scene where they spend in the and when she's like, let me show you something. And she brings her I in know. and shows her like, look yeah. at your hair and you put your it's hair like back. She's giving her this motherly care yeah. that her own yes. mother hasn't given her. She's giving the girl, the other girls, Started tough with. love that maybe mm -hmm. they haven't been given. Like she's teaching them like morals. She's like she has she goes out an appropriate yeah punishment for what yeah. what they've done. I love like one of my favorite trivia facts is that again correct me if I'm wrong on the number but I think that actress that plays Miss Collins is like two years older than Sissy Spacek. Yep, they're really? like so close in age and reality, but wow. they do a great yeah. job of making Sissy Spacek so childlike because of yeah. how she was raised, the character of Carrie and Miss Collins is like surrogate maternal figure to yeah, you know Miss Collins is hot. Ms. Collins oh, rules. Yeah, Everything about her. Is she like a gym teacher or like I got gym teacher vibes or. Yeah, she's the PE coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's okay. the gym teacher. And she said she's quoted as saying that she played her as a lesbian. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. Okay. I when just she, I love her. I wrote down. I was like, I'm going to start doing the detention workout because I was like one and two and th I was like, mm. yes, give me these calisthenic reps. Let's go, Miss <laughs> Collins. Be my coach. I would I like do a lot for Miss right Collins. On. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll sign up for your detention. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm guilty. I, <laughs> I did wrong. I had a tampon. I probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I, I really love that character, and it's always kind of hit me wrong that like she had to die while sue got to live and i'm not saying sue deserved to die she but it's like sue's why life. what she saved sue's life by throwing her out of the door right and then right no. after when the blood falls but Which it's like, like you know it's why all accident, this one and not that yeah. one you yeah. know uh i don't know i just i think it's tragic that miss collins dies because it's like i feel like she was the only person who was truly looking out for carrie oh, and yeah. i think that sue was well-intentioned mm-hmm I, I truly do believe that. I, you know, I think she really was trying to do a nice thing, but I think, I think she didn't think it through. Yeah. What do you um, think is going to end? Like their prom well, queen and king? Yeah. How do you end? Is she like, oh, can like I have I my boyfriend back? Like right. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you're playing like emotional Russian mm -hmm. roulette, and also, but it's you know, a very as, like high school, like that. That reads me as fine. like a juvenile idea, mm -hmm. and it, it makes sense for the age that she is to be like, oh, what does everyone want? sweet boyfriend to take them to prom i'll give her that and then i'm off like not off the hook but like i've done my duty and it's yeah. like okay that's not that's not a, a grown-up way of thinking that's a very childlike way of thinking but it makes sense to me and i think i i'm like a very much a good for carrie i at the end i'm like yeah burn it down fuck them but mm -hmm. i think if we didn't have miss collins die I think it would have gone, the pendulum would have swung too much and the Carrie did no wrong. Because like in, in my head, I'm like, yeah, fuck him, like go off. But I do love Miss Collins and it's sad to see her die. And it's like, oh, wait, yeah, there are some some negative consequences to this, even though I didn't give a shit about most of those kids at prom. Yeah, but Carrie isn't a hero. I lionize her in my own way, but like she's, she, it, I, I needed mean, she that is. to happen. Because, I mean, yeah. she is. Yeah. Until she's not she the isn't, villain. but like, she Chris is. And, Chris and her mom are sort of like the most villainous, in my opinion, uh, as far in Carrie's world. Oh, yeah. And then Carrie yeah. brings out the worst in Carrie with these abilities. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Well, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't want to do it a lot of times. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she. She's triggered here. This yeah. triggers her. It just, yeah. she snaps, you know? And, and of course, she bread. Oh, sorry. Literally. And yeah. then Mrs. Mm -hmm. Collins is just a, you know, unfortunately collateral damage which i do think speaks on like you know there's a negative side of leaning into these these feelings right. as well you know or you know blindly in rage mm -hmm. well and I, I think sue like there's no way obviously that sue could have foreseen the absolute disaster that was going to happen as a result of this whole thing um but i do kind of feel like another thing she didn't think through is like 
how is that gonna look like do you think that everybody's just gonna accept carrie going to the prom with tommy and be like yeah. oh she looks so pretty no these people relish tormenting her and it's just gonna be more fuel for them to be like ha 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 look the weird ugly girl is with tommy ha 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 it's like something else to laugh at and for them to make fun yeah. of her for and like having been not that bullied in high school but i i did get some of that and a lot of ridicule and it's like It's like people will just find anything. And it's like if you step out of your zone, if you step out of your lane, as the, as the kids say nowadays, but like if you, you know, you do something that breaks out of this like mold that has been created, this like social mold that's been created for you, then that's fodder for torment as well. And it's like you have to be put back in your place. And that's what a lot of this incident is, is like them putting her in her in her place like to yeah, them like, oh, you'll she pay. cost and it's a, like what the fuck did carrie do to you yeah she well she <laughs> according like in their minds she and, cost yeah, them their prom ticket yes yeah. she got them this terrible detention she got them probably in trouble with their parents um, it was mrs collins that really escalated that yeah but it's Honestly, like, like so, but it's, it's like the the most punishable thing is that she dared to think that she could be pretty she could be right. tommy's date. she could take mm -hmm. take this seriously mm -hmm. and so that's another thing that i think sue was too young and immature to be yeah. able to foresee yeah it's a now juvenile what... understanding of what a good ending for carrie would be like in sue's mind it's also very shallow yeah. it's sort of like you know and to be fair sue doesn't understand the depths of the shit that's carrie's going through with margaret with her mom but you know in her mind as a kid and as kind of like a, a more shallow person to be like well, what do, well, everyone must want what I have, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I, no. He separates her. Sorry, John, go ahead. And it, well, I'm just saying that if Sue was so good, you know, why didn't she come by at Carrie's house? Hey, come, let's go for a walk or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like try to befriend you know? her. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Tommy's the only guy that stopped by to ask her to go to prom. That's a cool scene when she when he does, too. She kind of No, I love that scene, but I mean, it, but again, you know, at the beginning of the movie, Sue's one of the people throwing uh, the pads at her and the tampons. I mean, she and she's sitting there smiling yeah, and yeah, laughing no, along did. with everybody else. So but then oh. she kind of has like a little arc where she feels she feels bad. Yeah, right. She's got a conscience, unlike some of these other people. These other people are so self-absorbed. Maybe well, I like that Miss Collins is like, you don't even understand how bad what you did was. And I'm like, right. yes, Miss Collins, lay into them. They don't get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and know, so it, that's why everybody else is like mad at Carrie that they had to do this detention or else lose their prom tickets. But Sue accepts those consequences with no resistance yeah. whatsoever because mm -hmm. she has that conscience and she's like, I fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like she gets it, Mrs. Collins. Yeah. She's like, I understand what you're saying. She's mature mm -hmm. enough to get it, but she's not mature enough yeah. to know how to fix it. Right. So what if they had an ending where instead, like if Mrs. Collins, instead of just pushing her out the door and closing the door, Mrs. Collins went outside the, the prompt to reprimand her and they both ended up surviving. You know what I mean? That's a little convenient though. And then you don't get the, I think some innocents do need to die. Yeah, you, you need you that know. sort of, like I said, to a little to bit. have it be like, oh, I can't root for this in its entirety, uh -huh. even mm -hmm. though I, I kind of am. But like, you, you're like, you oh, know, fuck, I, get I didn't it. want like, Collins to die. Obviously, who else do you root for? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's Carrie's movie. Well, I think I think William Cat and Carrie, or William Cat and Cece Spacek, have a really good chemistry during this whole prom Absolutely. scene. I, I thought the chemistry Believe it or was not. so. It was beautiful. I mean, it, the it, it was the shot of again, them dancing and the camera. Oh my god, circling them, so good. That, that that made me dizzy a little bit. <laughs> I forgot. I, I forgot that it spins around like opposite ways. You know, everything's going different directions. But it was, it was a very nice chemistry between these two actors. That that mm -hmm. it just felt it felt natural. Uh, he kisses her. You know, it, it, it's almost like 
he wanted to not not that he felt obligated to right. do so you know he's caught up he's having a, I, he's letting himself enjoy it which i think is speaks to some of the genuine it's like okay like i i believe like i i feel that there's some sincerity to tommy's effort here and it's not mm-hmm. you know he's not he's being a shithead he's not bucket too i know well I that's, a, that's, that's burns no, to death. that's no joke i mean yeah that's a well, yeah. fucking bucket yeah. Well, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy dies in this movie. So yeah, yes. he burns to death. Yeah. yeah, he does. There's one moment with that bucket that I think is so brilliant and it's such a subtle little moment, but it's like before the cord gets pulled and the camera kind of pans up and it shows you like the bucket resting there and Chris is like eagerly the waiting tense, for the, the moment. On the oh, and she's like yeah. shaking because yeah. she's so fucking <laughs> evil. Um, she is a bitch. Like when yeah. the, when Tommy and Carrie are standing in there, like you know designated spots there's a streamer everybody's celebrating and yay yeah oh yeah loads down and it falls right on carrie and it shows you like if if you've never seen this movie before and and you don't know how it's gonna go down you know there's the bucket of blood there but you don't know is it gonna go how they plan is it gonna get Mm -hmm. you know aborted tommy is it gonna be yeah yeah. what's gonna happen but when that streamer floats down from that exact spot and lands right on carrie it's like it signals to you like that's where it's gonna go when the it's moment comes. It's like, like a oh. very quick succession of what's gonna happen, and it's. I think just Brian De Palma is so creative, especially for the time, like doing those sort of like the circling them shots, dancing the the streamer falling, the tension on the rope representing the tension that you know at this point Sue is feeling because she knows what's happening. It's he's just he's really good, and then he captures rage, especially feminine rage. I think so well, mm. and I. There's like a meme that I see a lot on on Twitter and TikTok of like when men try to write women's rage and it's like them screaming and yelling and blah, 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 versus when women write women's rage, which is quiet, which Carrie doesn't say anything and everything around her is exploding, which is like so, a very, but, and it's funny because Stephen King is obviously a man, Brian De Palma's a dude, but like right. it, you know, I feel like it captures the essence of feminine rage exactly right and i think that's why it clicks with a lot of young women this movie okay so so yes both yes you, yes 100%. Jacqueline yes, and Caitlin, yes yes you feel this was a good representation you know of you know i guess a a, a woman's struggle I, I you know i don't know or or like just this buildup of 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 so much um what's the word i'm looking for just uh, like this that being repressed and then all of a sudden yeah. it just comes out yeah you know well, it's like a pot. Yeah. Like it's gonna. I mean, the the lid is on Carrie's pot so firmly because Margaret White is holding it there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when it boils over, it explodes over. And I, mean, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a like, it's a pressure cooker. It's an instant yes. pot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things where it's like the minute she stops yelling is when you got to get the fuck out of there, dude. Like, and she can mean anyone. It can be me. It can mean Doctor. That's like, true. Like, when a woman goes quiet. Yeah, like shit's yeah. about to go down. And I, I just think that it's captured so well. And I don't know. It just it. I remember being like, yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us can see ourselves in Carrie. Not all of mm-hmm. us have like a re- oppressive parents and religious stuff in our life. Not all of us were meek in the same way that Carrie was. But a lot of us can see ourselves in Carrie as like a marginalized, ostracized figure and someone who gets bullied. And I think a lot of women, young women can see themselves in Carrie because that tends to be how rage expresses itself in women. It's quiet until it's, or it's, you know, you tap it down, tap it down, tap it down until it comes all out at mm-hmm. once and you're burning down the prom. Mm-hmm. That's yep, that's what that's what happens. And that, you know, <laughs> the, the extra prom. bit of emotions and stuff like that can be triggered by your menstruation. Right? Like mm-hmm. they, it changes the way a woman is as careful. As I would <laughs> not know. Saying, I'm not you saying, know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I'm teasing. <laughs> 
Like it but does that, kind I mean, of increase this mm, uh, swell of emotions mm, as a as a woman as a young. John's like, shut up. <laughs> it's a fact. Well, that's I mean, one of the things. Like, one of the tropes that I like within monstrous menstruation as its own trope. It's sort of like you know, in gender snaps, when gender has these sort of fluctuations. Yeah, of just like what testosterone does to us young men when we're young. Like it definitely well, changes us too. Like, and that's what's so funny. Have you guys covered Dolores Claiborne on here? The Stephen no, but I would I like to. Since misery, it. that'd be good to. So Dolores Claiborne book, so I think, good. does fun stuff with like women's hormonal cycles get played out more in in a tropey way in media because it happens on a 28 day cycle you know like that's how women's hormonal cycles just like um uh what's the doctor that taught does your hormones such with an e whatever when like like that's how endocrinologist that's how endocrinologist endocrinologist yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> I'm so smart. Thank you for having me here. Um, so <laughs> that's how our our hormonal cycle plays out. Men's hormonal cycle plays out on a 24 hour schedule. So that's why a lot of times women are represented by the moon, which has a lunar cycle of about 28 days, and that's why men are often represented by the sun, which has a cycle of 24 mm. hours. And when the moon there's an eclipse that happens in Dolores Claiborne. And when the moon goes in front of the sun, so like when a woman's power is like eclipsing a man's power and that's when, spoiler alert, a woman kills a man. I was just like, oh my fucking God, someone finally nailed it. Like the hormonal cycles in play. Just like it all comes together so interestingly. That Stephen King's a feminist. Yeah, Stephen King. Feminist Fun King, fact, that is the book I was reading at the moment I met Joey. Because he picked me up at a bar nice. that I was sitting at reading Dolores Claiborne and drinking a glass of wine. And he came over. Nice. nice. So. When the moon hits your eye like a big piece of pie. That's a mori. Did that's you say a big piece of pie? I said pizza. Oh, piece of pie. That's not how it goes. I'll take no, either. I didn't. I'll take both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. same. Same. <laughs> um, yeah. there's one, it's off topic, but there's one scene that I, uh, struck me with this I liked. Uh, when she mentions the prom invite. I just love how her mother's head just pivots and she says prom and then lightning <laughs> just strikes right behind yes. her. Yes. Yeah. Thunder but is like, it's like prom. so. Like, <laughs> yeah. Her mom like, throws water in her. Oh my God. It tucks, yeah. it takes out the candle, like literally extinguishes her yeah. flame. And it's like, oh. Well, in the scene where Tommy comes to try to talk her into going to prom and she like, she opens the door and then she's like, oh shit. And kind of yeah. like stands in front of it. Like, I can't let my mother see this boy mm -hmm. standing here. And she keeps like, Looking back, like, uh, mom is resting. Like, oh, you've got to go. you got to go. you got to uh, just go here. leave. Why are you here? And he, like, coerces her. He's like, oh, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. That's pretty cute, actually. He's like, not until you not until you say you're going to go with me. Yes, he was very sweet yes, about his approach. He wasn't, he was very like, cute. overly. Yeah, he wasn't overly aggressive. He was semi. But then. He was, he was a little pushy, but still like kind of flirtatious about it. But what's not cute is like how terrified she is. Like she is mm. that terrified of her mother just seeing mm. her have a conversation with a member of the opposite sex. I mean, On the other side of the she door. Is, yeah. She is terrified. That is not the warm side of the door. Let me tell you. No, not at all. <laughs> nice, Jack. Nice. I love when she's in the library and we know that she's looking at books about eventually the occult but she's looking like miracles because that's the way her mind is going to yeah, work with yeah. it comes to supernatural stuff so she's like he yeah, books on miracles and witchcraft and, and eventually the occult and she's got him against her, her chest and tommy's like what you read about she's like sewing <laughs> i like that because that is something she probably yes, read about yes yeah. i like that she looks into it because it kind of brings us along too as the audience to be like okay this is what she's she's okay she's got telekinesis possibly mm -hmm. okay 
she's trying um, to understand like and obviously she didn't understand is, yeah. anything about her body when it comes to menstruation and maybe she's like oh i just don't know this about my body maybe this is something that happens to other women i just need <laughs> hey, to learn please, about and it. you can move things that's awesome yeah. That happened to fly. me and Jacqueline, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I got my first period. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. As I'm in my 40s, though, my power is waning. So I'm sure like Damn. as I hit perimenopause. He also, just to get nerdy, like her power manifesting with her menstruation in her adolescence reminds me so much of the X-Men because that's during their adolescence is when the mutant gene manifests. If well, I think like any coming of age stuff, it's yeah. like that's when people's personalities yeah, and that's what it plays on, solidify. Obviously. Yeah, pretty yeah. big time. So we were we were talking about this before, and I was mentioning in the book how Carrie had the powers as a as a young child. Um, I di I did forget to kind of throw on top there that I do feel like the powers were like more or less latent before puberty. Maybe like little kind of appearances randomly here and there that weren't quite controllable but then i do think that with the onset of her period it's like that got amplified and kind yeah. of let out let out of the bottle you know what i mean sure well but, but let me ask you about the book and again i haven't read it um oh, it's real what bad. were the little things that she did as a as a child or um you know six-year-old you know it was what? like she'd be playing jacks or something and like the little objects would kind of move like little or games rolling. or like with like a pile of stones or something and like they would kind of just like move and um they were like totally harmless and very minor but it was enough for margaret to be like which mm. so. <laughs> it's one of those things that like you would think that okay well if that was nurtured properly like an x-men she could hone her powers yeah. for good and they yeah. wouldn't explode out of her when hormonally she can't contain them anymore mm -hmm. but I, I also love that that's such a childlike thing like when you're a kid you're like i'm gonna move this with my mind mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. it's, dark, it's, she's like dark phoenix she's like well, did you read matilda caitlin yeah, as I, a child of I course matilda, like, yeah. oh yeah that's yeah um, matilda is sweet carrie <laughs> yes exactly exactly and miss honey is miss collins oh i love miss um, miss honey there is some comedy in this movie. honey yeah comedic <laughs> moments i like there's not a ton but like when she's trying on lipsticks, the counter girl's like watching from behind. She's oh, just yeah, like, like trying all these different yeah. lipsticks on and then putting them back. Or like when the boys are doing their tuxedo montage. Yeah. I think yeah, the straight chilling boys did not like that montage, but I find it very charming and seventies. And it yeah. kind of like lulls you into this false uh mindset where you kind of forget what kind of movie you're, you're watching. And you're like it, you almost feel like you're watching a teen movie. We're like, mm -hmm. oh, they're getting ready for yeah. the prom. I wanted more of that dude, that slick talking dude. I was like, this guy's funny. Yeah, there well, are. Well, it lets you get excited the way that Carrie is probably getting excited. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, yeah. I'm letting my guard down a and little Tommy's bit. Tommy's actually like excited. This. John, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. What I was going to say is, I, I guess I got to walk back a little bit of Sue interacting with Carrie and just really helping her out or, or, or kind of like, you know, I've got your back. You know, hey, I'm trying to develop a friendship with you. So, you know, didn't she steal the lipstick? I think or, that's in the remake. Oh, okay. That's in 2013. The, the 2013 remake is like the lipstick scene goes on a little bit longer. An encounter with them, I would have appreciated at least to kind of like go over the awkwardness of like, well, I'm going to prom with your boyfriend or something. <laughs> and I was just like, don't worry about it. Like, you deserve this. Yeah. Or just something to show. Well, I guess because they want to keep Sue's intent secret. But even that, she could have just been schmoozing Carrie anyway. You know what I mean? Even if she was lying. But yeah, they keep it to that final moment where it's like, well, who's in on what? And speaking of final moments, that weekend that I talked about where we watched Amityville Horror, Carrie, and Poltergeist. Of those movies, Poltergeist scared me the most, but in terms of overall effectiveness watching it as a kid, but nothing got me like Carrie's arm coming out of the room and grabs Sue. Oh my God, that got me so good when I was a kid. 
I Alan, love this thing. This, it got me again when I watched it. You uh, forget. Again. It's yeah, back you, to the I, flute music and you're like, oh, oh, and then. <laughs> no, the thing is, is that you know what's coming. And it's still, it, it, it's like that stinger of like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Dang it. Harry White burns in hell. I'm like, oh, how dare yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Let's put the first fan right here on the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the transition from daytime to nighttime when just before that happens, because Sue goes up there to put flowers down and it's daytime. So she's mm -hmm. going down to pay, pay her respects. And then all of a sudden it's nighttime. And then that happens. And she, Amy Irving makes the awesomest scream I've ever heard. <laughs> well, and you get the voiceover of Mrs. Snell talking on the phone, like, no, we didn't go to the funerals. We need to get away for a while. Like, and you're like kind of paying attention to the conversation that's happening. You're a little bit lulled by the like gauzy, dreamy, even yeah. in terms of like the filter that they use on the, the camera. Mm -hmm. It's like very dreamlike. And then you're like, oh my God, the terror of that hand coming up and grabbing. Yeah, it. I know. That was yeah. great. One of the things. Of... Oh, go Sorry, ahead. go ahead, Hyderberg. No, no, go ahead. You're going to touch on the uh, I was going to say, um, according to just a little trivia fact here. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the actress playing uh, Sue's mother is her real life mother. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and in that moment where Sue wakes up from this nightmare screaming with that wonderful scream, so piercing and, and like haunting, um, her performance startled even her mother so much that she cried out, Amy, instead of Sue. <laughs> oh, wow. And you can, and but the, and that was kept in the film, but the music is so loud that it kind of drowns oh, out the sound. But if you watch her lips, you can see it. She, she says, Amy, not Sue. Oh, wow. Uh um because she was so alarmed like her to see your child screaming like that is like oh because yeah, she's know. like consoling her too and it's like her arm that's her hand that's grabbing her is the hand that she thinks yeah. in her in her dream yeah um also the actress who plays who is she's gorgeous she has, you know she married hair, spielberg something. right for like oh wow. yeah, yeah I she's just married love her, to spielberg. her hair her hair is gorgeous uh, yeah it's just yeah. a cool look i love it i really want the pj souls rainbow red cap yeah uh, don't PJ wear souls it to wears. prom though like, uh, well, she's that was her thing. That was she's a weirdo. Yeah. She reminds, she's well, so that was her. I think that was the Halloween, actress's right? idea. It yeah. was, yeah. So John Carpenter saw her in this, and that's why he cast her in Halloween because yeah. he liked yeah, her so much. Similar. She's yeah. been in yeah. so. I mean, uh, PJ Souls is one of those like horror character actors that I'm like, yeah, give me more great. PJ Souls. Mm -hmm. She's she's like one of the more evil characters in this too because she's she like is, yeah. ballots 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 like collecting yes, them please. and she's like <laughs> she's the first to like really burst out laughing yeah. after she's the in on it once she because she wants to get in on it well she wants yeah. she's like ribbing them to like start laughing with me because everyone else is kind of like at first shocked about what just happened at prom and she's like. You can't hear her because it's you yeah. know, it, she's muted and it's just music, but you can just see her like rib people to start laughing. It's like, God, she's such an instigator. Yeah, well, that's I think the part I wanted to talk about just the the silence in that scene too. I forgot we didn't even mention just how it's like you could have went heavy with because the themes are heavy, but then they just go silent for a while there. I just love that use of no sound at all. Yeah, it's almost like you're kind of in Carrie's perspective and everything is just like blank Frozen. for a minute mm -hmm. like everything slows down gets real quiet it's almost like when your ears make she that can't process like, yeah and so it's like it's just such a shock you know it's such a shock but um but yeah I agree about P PJ Soul she's so great and I think those two roles of Linda and Norma are why Rob Zombie cast her in the double nice. if you remember thank you <laughs> 
I was waiting for it. I was like, no, that was very organic, Jacqueline. That was, that's well how done. it's yeah. done, John. That is how it's done. You leave them hanging too. It was well, it must be in there. I bet the the listeners this episode are like, where's Rob Zombie? <laughs> Caitlin, gonna say it? Who's gonna say it? Yes, Dude, I, for, I can I completely forgot about him because we were talking about such a great movie. So <laughs> my bad. That was so good. I love that. Thank you. Well, she's great in Devil's Rejects, too. And she's like, what is this about clown business? <laughs> I think she's in that Uncle Sam movie, too. She's in she's got so many bit parts in horror that I'm like, God, what her her career is made for like convention work. Like she's going to work at conventions and sign autographs for us for life. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, dude. I remember the convention. She signed my Carrie DVD and it oh. says, plug it up. Oh, nice. What? Yeah. yeah Barbara true. Crampton, Linnea Quigley, you know, some yeah. of the others. Oh, Good yeah. Lord. Come so on. PJ I Souls. Was hoping, I was hoping that she hit Travolta with the fire hose and it was like, up your nose with a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. Oh, yeah. my God. That Missed is opportunity. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> because what? Welcome back, cop. Potter was what 75 74 yep he was uh i think he was on break but like um between seasons one and two or something when he auditioned and, mm-hmm. okay or something something like that but he, you know he he had become Vinny barbarina at that point but it was still early on and he's got some of that comedic stuff too like when his buddies drive by and toss him a beer and he's like <laughs> and then the cops come and shine a light and he's like oh yeah yeah like oh, oh, and like puts it it's just like yeah, very so like funny. three stooges asking she's like got beer all over his face yeah like yeah. bubbling down his lips it's yeah. so funny i love the way nancy allen calls him a shithead throughout the movie <laughs> dumb shit. he's gorgeous dumb too shit. i gotta say or dumb Every, shit, yeah. Everybody's hair is feathered to perfection here, yeah. except for Carrie's, which is supposed to lay yeah. like flat and stringy this and like kind of lifeless. Hair, but but even that is like very seventies and shiny, beautiful, yeah, a la yeah. Olivia. When she Hesse goes to prom, she looks Christmas great and oh, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to do a good Carrie costume, but I don't. I I have less of a sissy Spacek figure and more of a Kathy Bates figure. But also, like I so what? Feel like, do it. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Everybody will know. Everyone go on a curly blonde wig and go as Tommy. Gender, gender <laughs> yeah. Well, I just like I'm like, oh, it'd be so sticky. Mm. You know, <laughs> I was Lizzie Borden a couple years ago and I did a lot of blood on me and it was fun, but I was like, I'm ready to take a shower. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, like that's a big commitment to do that for a mix it with baby oil. I did when I I had a I did a live show at um, GalaxyCon's Nightmare Weekend here in Richmond back in October. And the, one of the girls in the audience was dressed as Carrie. And she did, like, an amazing costume. It was oh, nice. really good. I was like, ah, oh, happy to see. There were, a lot of, there were a lot of pearls because, you know, pearl is a fun costume to do, too. Especially given that it just came out, uh, you know, here recently. But I was ha- really happy to see a good Carrie costume. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. William Cat's hair was fantastic in this Everybody's movie, hair. Believe it or not. Um, um, last American hero. Or, oh, I was is it like, greatest I don't know American hero. Eighty so. Mm. Okay. What was it? He found. He finds like a cape, and the cape allows you to fly, or something like that. Yeah, or something. Mm. Yeah, it turns you into like the next superhero. Well, and I have to say, I think Nancy Allen is one of the most beautiful women out there. And seeing this at thirteen, I gotta say, that was part of a certain awakening for me. And mm. I thought it. Yeah. Oh, you had a little crush, huh? I still do. I honestly, well, and I, I couldn't like name that at the time. And of course, later I discovered right, some yeah. things about myself that I was like, oh, that's <laughs> oh. what that was. But I couldn't, okay. I couldn't name it at that time. Uh, but th- that was definitely like 
that 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 opened something up in me like she's just so gorgeous and to this day she kind of holds a special place in my heart and my libido so <laughs> <laughs> good for you there. that's awesome oh god i can't take my eyes off of her even though she's so evil and i just don't even care like she's <laughs> so gorgeous I one of my even... favorite things i mean carrie obviously inspired a lot of things and is referenced in a ton of media but one of my favorite movies is jawbreaker mm. and i fucking love jawbreaker but there's so many instances in jawbreaker that come from carrie they have like the shiny silver stars that are like foil wrapped from prom like they have those in jawbreaker they have a lot of sue-esque looks in jawbreaker and they also have at the end when sue's in bed like we were just talking about screaming and her mom's holding her there's um there's a lot there's a lot of bed imagery and like dragging of bodies that kind of mimics those same that same blocking but also um William Cat is the he's a one of the dads in Jawbreaker. So like they they pulled him oh, cool. to specifically because he was in Carrie because it was so influential to the film. And I just I love like those little types of moments are so good. And obviously there's a great prom scene in Jawbreaker. So I've Caitlin, never seen that movie, but yeah, it seems Caitlin, like something I really should it. have. Yeah, yeah, I really want yeah. to. Caitlin, is it is that the one with like Rose McGowan? And... Rose McGowan yeah. and Judy Greer. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. I love Jawbreaker. I've heard you talk about that like periodically before. Um, I feel like Mean Girls gets all the credit, but Jawbreaker, Jawbreaker was the OG, and I feel like there are so many references to Carrie and and then later, you know, Judy Greer went on to play Miss Collins in the Carrie remake. So like it all oh. holds in on itself in such a nice way. Yep, yep. Well, I think we've we've run this one down pretty good. Does anybody have any major final thoughts that they want to throw in before we give our ratings? There was one thing I did know when uh when she gets in her PJs after the bloodbath and she takes a bath. Um mm -hmm. she I just I got Zelda vibes from Pet Cemetery, those PJs. Uh, yeah. She looked like Zelda with the hair and yeah. everything. I was like, yeah, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, I didn't pick that up. I also think like the one thing I wanted I did want to mention is like to me it's so terribly sad at the end um she's just gone through this awful awful experience it went so much worse than she could have ever imagined or feared or i i think maybe even worse than margaret could have possibly imagined yeah. or feared <laughs> and she's returning home she's sort of coming out of her trance you know mm -hmm. and it's like you can tell home is the only place she knows to go it's not even really a safe place for her uh, but it's the only place that she has. Um, and you can tell that all she really wants is like some kind of comfort from her mother. And it's like she's willing to do whatever. She's willing to go along with her mother's crazy shit mm -hmm. if she can just get some. She's like, hold me. And the mother's like, we'll pray. We'll pray. And she's like, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Well, she's and like, mama, it was awful. And you're just yeah. like, she wants her mom. And she's mm -hmm. not going to. I mean. She her mom right in a sense in some ways you know in I mean, a way she and that's what it all happened. like you that don't was... want you don't want her to have been right but she yeah. was just not in the way she thought yeah. she was going to be right but she was right and she enters the home and it, there's candles everywhere and margaret is like weirdly hiding behind the door upstairs what the fuck she's got her she dirty clothes out Ugh. there's candles everywhere and the music it's like if there's like organ music playing it feels Angelic. so funeral. no it feels like a funeral to me <laughs> yeah it does it feels like a funeral and well, it's like it just makes it creates this really sad sad tone especially well, if you know what's about to happen and you also see the last supper picture that's ripped down <sighs> yeah and mm. she says and 
and we'll pray for the last, last time. time. And Carrie doesn't pick up on that. Yeah. Mm. And, and her mom really stabs her. Like, is it in the, the side, in the back? back? It's like, God damn. Oh, God. Well, and she's like being held by her mom, which is all she's probably ever wanted. It's like a genuine tenderness from her mom. It's like she finally gets it, but then it, it you know, literally it stabs volumes her on like their relationship, though. Like Ugh. the toxic mother that she was to Carrie. Anyway, to me, that's well, like the, the worst thing is like yeah. when like a, a child failing to receive comfort from her mother. Like that's so it's word, just the like worst. It's like, like that, like the moment of need. Yeah. Like, like you mm -hmm. almost feel like she might be OK if she just gets the love oh, that yeah, she needs. Yeah. Like it, it could all somehow be OK. They didn't pin like the the accident to her necessarily. I think if she had lived and not said anything about it, like they might have not known what happened. It was just a freak fire. I, yeah, like, because how can you prove it? Be like, yeah. she clearly started the fire oh, with her mind. Her mind. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's like her That's and her mother not... could have hid this whole thing. And yeah. she could have. Carrie did not want to kill her mom. No. She just realized she that. felt bad. You know, you she was know, like a cornered animal. She it was like yes. fight or flight. Like, literally, you know? she's in the. With like every knife there. There was a pie uh, slicer, I think, or pie server, maybe. Yeah. We have been saying her name wrong, though. It's Cassie Wright, I believe. It's Carrie when she says that, I was like, "Yeah, tell him your name, girl." Yeah, I like that too. When they like, you yeah. keep we're all sorry about First this. Incident, if you see two where she goes in the principal's office, I was like, "This is a different time." Yeah. <laughs> Did you see as to um where she goes with her mother when the house starts uh falling apart? It's the place where she was punished all the time, the, but it's the, the place where she, closet, yeah, she goes to the prayer, mm -hmm. prayer closet, yeah. and then she gets yep. knocked on the head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, ugh, on that down downer of a note, uh, <laughs> shall we start with our I, reviews? Yeah. Oh, I sorry, like I to think that Carrie lives in the same world as like the Firestarter girl. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like where there's just these in Stephen King's world of it's another coming of age, uncontrollable weird, young lady, yeah. another mm -hmm. young woman. Yeah, that mm -hmm. one's good because she's got like a father uh, aspect going on in that one. I it's love the original Firestarter. Yeah, I do. The too. pyrotechnics in that, it's, and you know, ending Carrie really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Keith David that is? Because we got David Keith and Keith David. Oh God, I get it mixed up. I don't know. It's not <laughs> no. Keith David, her dad. It, it's David Keith. Keith David right? is not Drew Barrymore's yeah. dad. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so it's David Keith. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right, Hyderberg, go. Oh uh, yeah. So the relationship between Carrie and her mother to me is one of the best depictions of like parental abuse or like really, you know, layered like relationships between a child and a, and a parent. Um, I don't know. You could see how it like stunts a human being too. And you can see what it does to Carrie in this film. Um, and it's due to some fantastic acting, I think between Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie, they just together. I don't know. They have such different acting styles. It feels like, but it works so well because they're playing two drastically different people that should be more connected because they're family. But, uh, they couldn't be more distant, I feel like, in this film. I just, I do love the cast overall, uh, though. The smaller parts, all the girls are, everybody's cast. There's not one person where I'm like, oh, this person could have been done with this person. Uh, you know, they all work really well. Um, I think the score is really good, too. There's like this light melody that we mentioned that plays throughout the film that I think this, it sets like this easy vibe in contrast to like the outrageous stuff that happens and like the horror of it all. I kind of like that. It helps. It sets this like it kind of even helps set up that stinger in the end, you know, even though, you know, it's like a dream. You could kind of tell it's a dream, obviously. But um, this is that was way before a lot of any movies were doing those kind of stingers, though. So, you know, I think it was totally earned. And I just like the way that the score kind of sets up so well all the 
really awesome scenes and the moments where we cut back and don't use the score um, and then kick it in later. It's just the Palmer is really good or whoever put it, you know, the team that he put together with this film, just it all kicks ass. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's just like, it's really good. The cinematography is just, some of the scenes are just so beautiful. The prom in particular, the, the scene in the library earlier, uh, earlier on with Tommy Esther out, just so vibrant, all the book covers, mm -hmm. uh, the, like the spines of the books, the, greens and reds and color saturation in this i just like it's got that cool 70s kind of look to it i i really like that that's how i remember my you know libraries from middle yeah I, I feel like i could smell old books like i was just like oh i want to be right there <laughs> yeah i like it and the prom scenes is so beautiful and the mayhem the violence it's like starts in fire and gore and the color saturation is just so turned up the red the red lens of everything it just and the blue her face with like the little bit of blue and red going over her and then her just covered and and that's the moment where she looks up and her eyes light up it's just like oh so good it's like so iconic um the two and one shots that De Palmer does too uh be, that he's become like really known for you know throughout his 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 history I think they're excellent um I don't know if this is like the first time he's kind of used them I know uh he used them in like dress to kill too right I think he did some two-in-one type shots with that movie. I think so. When there's like the stabbing in the elevator. Um, the Stinger is just, uh, like I said, it's a point I really like about this film. I think it's a cherry on top of a fudge sundae. Like this movie's a fudge sundae. Um, and that's just like a cool little cherry. And yeah, I know it's been done like a bunch now, but back then it was brand new. So I think that's great. Uh, cons, I don't know. It's pacing is a little slow, maybe. I don't love the house falling down gag, honestly. Like, it's okay, but even though I, I, like, I do like the stinger, the house falling down gag is just sort of like, I don't know, I get it, like, it just comes, it sort of just feels convenient, like a way to wrap it up, like, oh, the house, she got too powerful, she shouted out when her mother died, you know, to save her mother, and pull her off, and then, I don't know, she brought the house down on everybody, but other than that, it's not really, I mean, how do you, I don't know, I don't know really how you criticize this film. Uh, that's just so iconic. So with that said, I'm going to give Carrie, I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10 dirty pillows. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Okay, good that's one. Good metric. All right. Caitlin, our esteemed guest, would you care to give your review? I mean, Hyderberg did a great job summarizing why I think this movie rules. I think it's a great story and it's one that adapts to films so well. And Brian De Palma was the exact right choice to bring this to life or bring this to screen. I think that this is good old fashioned movie making where it feels cinematic and it feels, I don't know, it just brings you moments of levity. It brings you moments of sadness. It brings you moments of fear, moments of rage. And it captures a lot of what it feels like to be a teenager because usually you're vacillating between all those big emotions when you're that age. I also think for a movie that is about teenagers and stars, you know, I don't know that the actors were teenagers, but uh, about teenagers, I feel like a lot of times those movies get written off because the themes, people assume that they're more juvenile, but the themes here are really heavy and they're dealing with a lot of really big things like, like abuse and like really fucked up maternal relationships and religious abuse and repression and coming of age and I think that this does it in a way that is so accessible because I feel like Carrie was a touchstone for a lot of us as we grew up as horror fans and it hits all of us at different times sort of like John said but when it does it hits exactly right mm -hmm. and uh my only I guess criticism which is isn't really even a criticism but I would have loved as a bigger girly to see a bigger girly uh but Sissy Spacek is 
I mean, at this point, I wouldn't change it. She's just so good. And she's just the dedication to this movie after we know sleeping in that makeup for three nights. Just it's it's amazing. But I'll give this I mean, I, I got to give this a 10 out of 10 and I, I'll, I'll stick with dirty pillows. I was going to say buckets of blood, but that's too malicious. We'll do dirty pillows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice. John, ahead, how about Jacqueline. you? Go ahead, Jacqueline. This is women in horror month. So please. <clears throat> Oh, thank you. I mean, I don't know what else I can really say. I said just about everything um, I that I was thinking and everything you guys said, Heidelberg and Caitlin, was absolutely spot on. The only thing I have a slight disagreement uh, with Heidelberg is the pacing. Um, I actually, I was surprised that to, to when I started watching this to prepare for this show, I was surprised that it was only, what, like an hour and 36 minutes or something. For some reason, in my memory, it was much longer, not because it's slow, but because so much happens. Like, there is so much packed into this movie that I was like, surely this must be a two hour plus film. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's 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 just a little over an hour and a half. But um, again, that doesn't mean that it feels slow at all. Um, I I don't have a problem with the pacing at all. Um, I have no real complaints or critiques about this movie at all. It was very influential to me as an adolescent girl, as uh, just a horror fan. It still, I think, continues to influence me now in my horror fandom and just in my adulthood. It's, I think it's a perfect film, in my opinion. So I give it a 10 out of 10. Dirty pillows, obviously. <laughs> John, what about yes. you? Yes. Oh, um... Like I said at the beginning, you know, I really experienced this movie for the first time at 10 years old. So, so you know, the little hormone ball of energy that was getting ready to develop, you know, just I loved the first five minutes, loved the end 15 minutes. And it was just like, I didn't understand it. Uh, as I got older and I revisited this movie, is there is something so important about this movie? I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it and say... Well, this is, you know, this is what this did for, you know, a social commentary. However, I think this movie was so important to the horror movie genre overall is that that it I don't know if it was Hydeberg, I don't know who said it, but it 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 took some homages to previous films, added it into there and created some of their own. And we see those today. So uh, for me, the acting was spot on. I, I fucking love this movie. Um, I asked at the beginning if it would be in your top 10 as far as horror movies. It absolutely is. You know, can I move some stuff around, you know, depending on how I'm feeling? It's always going to stay in the top 10. Carrie, Halloween, Exorcist, um, you know, shit like that. You know, I, I just can't think of anything the off thing. the top of my head. The Thing. Okay, yes. It is one of my new top 10s. Not this fucking <laughs> no i i love the thing you know watching it more and more um a solid one star <clears throat> solid one star um <laughs> uh, maybe a half um for the yabos <laughs> what in the thing the, i don't think so thing, yabos. we don't know <laughs> they could be i i, I gotta pay closer attention at the end where there's a bunch yeah. of things coming out yeah. we don't know yeah. there could be yabos yeah. There. yeah the next time i watch it i'll look for that yeah. um but yeah, carrie hey yeah, and again, you can nitpick any movie that you want to, but how does it make you feel? Does it, I mean, does it make you just kind of feel like, uh, it's like, the one thing this did is like like with Halloween, Halloween just built tension with music. 
you know, if if you didn't have any music to Halloween, that movie would be terrible. But like like the tension of the music, what De Palma did with the music in this, it just really just kind of, I think I said gave you a false sense of hope or or, or like subverted mm-hmm. expectations of what was going to happen next. Um, so to cut it short, I know we got to get going. Uh, I'm also going to give this a 10 out of 10 dirty bags pillows <laughs> dirty pillows sorry. dirty pillows sorry sorry i can see your dirty pillows yeah. all right all right I, my, my my con is a little nitpicky so i could probably bump mine up to a 10 out of 10 i feel bad like i think this is a 10, a 10 film i mean and me giving it a 9.5 or sort of like, <laughs> like what is what am i really you know i'm just sort of it's it's a top tier film. Sometimes you got to knock it down. You got to see if like there's you got to poke at it. You got to see if there's anything that's you could criticize a little bit. You don't want to just well and but to me like I reserve tens for movies like there are movies that I think are probably perfect or close to perfect, but that I wouldn't give a ten to. Like I reserve my tens for films yeah. that have a little extra magic for me. Like there's kind of this un like unknowable kind of factor that x factor as well, um, one thing might i didn't say. Really mention in my and so review, like carrie has that for me that you guys did because it, it the fact that how this film speaks to women you know what i mean and mm-hmm. to young women i think that's very powerful and that's something that i definitely i didn't write it down in my review when i when i when i spoke about the film i spoke more about like the acting and the filmmaking yeah. but uh i think that is a very powerful theme about the film and that's why it holds up uh, the character of Carrie and and just the fact that you could put yourself in her shoes. Um, in Heidelberg, and again, I I agree with you. You can actually poke so, holes in anything, yeah. any of movie course. that you want, want to. But yeah. the thing that the thing that really resonated with me is that this movie holds up, and you look at this it movie, does. and it just it it, it's yeah. I I I've got yeah. so much enjoyment out of this movie, and it's just every time I watch it, I'm not going to get bored. I'm I'll be surprised again every time when the fucking hand comes up out of the rubble. And <laughs> I kind of want to get it on 4K because I have the Blu-ray Scream Factory and it's great. But I know that it must look really because it would look really good in Blu-ray on my TV. So I was like, man, yeah. on 4K probably pops. There's a <laughs> there's a girl who does uh, what we call a good for her movie screening here in Richmond at a brewery. And I usually I do horror trivia beforehand before we screen the movie and Carrie was like when she was she was messaging me and we were trying to come up with like what are some good good for her horror movies and I was like well <laughs> gotta have Carrie and it's so interesting because like this movie is so iconic and Carrie as a character is so iconic since so SpaceX performance iconic she dies at the end of this movie and it's yeah, it's you, we don't have that we have that more nowadays with like main characters or titular characters dying at the end of like a major movie but it, at the time it was also pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to hear an absolutely wild negative review on oh, Rotten God. Tomatoes? Yes, please. <laughs> like, just be prepared to just shake your head and disbelieve. What, will you give me their address? I was going to say, drop a pin. Where, where do you 69, live? 69. <laughs> yeah. So this is a user review, thankfully, not a critic. Because um, then that critic would have to be disbarred or whatever happens to critics. Um, okay. We're like a loser review. Am I right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Carrie, a classic tale of horror from Stephen King, is adapted for the big screen by Brian De Palma. However, the film hasn't aged well and doesn't really hold up. The story is rather familiar and will be revisited in King's work again and again. The social outcast develops psychokinetic powers and ends up wreaking revenge upon those that have mistreated her. The acting is mediocre and doesn't give any depth to the characters. 
And with the exception of a couple of scenes that have become iconic in horror, horror cinema, De Palma's directing is unremarkable. A poorly paced and morose film, Carrie hasn't withstood the test of time. What? I hate when people say like, oh, this is a theme that gets revisited. It's an archetype, honey. Like, that's what we do. We revisit things because they are significant to our collective oh, unconscious. And universal to the human I am, I am, tr I am truly Dumbass. sorry. Can we put this person on blast? What is that person's <laughs> name? Wait a minute. He said pacing was an issue. I think, you know what? I might have to go back down to a 9.5. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously was a dude that said that. Yeah, it's got to be a dude. Yeah, it has Please, to be bro. a dude. No woman would How do you criticize? But the things he's criticizing is so astronomically incorrect like, directing, yeah. directing's bad the, the acting's bad what? it had no, no depth to the characters are you it, kidding yeah. watch the like, remakes and write a review to that uh, maybe yeah if you say if you say that pacing is you know it's not your forte and you knock it down a little bit for that i understand that but do not say the acting is if you say the acting is bad in this movie yeah. Go watch fucking Piper Laurie throughout this movie. Yeah, watch Sissy Spacing. Watch any. Watch the side Anybody, characters, yeah. even the younger ones. Oh, like they're, they're all good. Well, so that kind of leads me into my first trivia fact. Shall I get on with that? Yeah, please. All right. So Nancy Allen claims that she never realized that her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished film. She thought that she and John Travolta were playing such self-centered, bickering morons that they were there for comic relief. And Piper Laurie also thought that the character of Margaret was so over the top that the film had to be like a dark comedy, a mm. black comedy. <laughs> nope. No. Uh, let's see. A lot of Wrong! These, um... <laughs> yeah, a lot of these um, trivia facts um, we already kind of wove into the um, into the review. Um, yeah. Oh, so Piper Laurie, she thought that like her own character was so over the top that that's why she thought it was like a dark comedy. She's like, she thought the wardrobe was ridiculous. She thought the dialogue was ridiculous. And like the way she was supposed to play it as being so over the top as to be not believable. She's like, oh, I pray be... you find Jesus when she has yeah, her hand. I, when up. she turns around, she's going to sit her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rewound that scene. I was like, was she going to hit her? Because <laughs> I had and to so, pause like, it. And she was like this. And I was mm -hmm. like, what's going on here? You know, one scene that I appreciated because she goes over to, uh, is it Sue's house and talking yeah. to her mom? Yeah, that's what yeah. we're talking she's about. She's like, uh, we need to talk about something. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, I'll just donate and give yeah. her $10. Miss Snell's <laughs> like, uh, $10? Did I get you the hell out of my house? Yeah. And you can yeah. see Miss White, like, it just shut down. Like, she yeah, was yeah, really she hoping to, like, like uh, you know, preach her to ear. her or whatever. But then she's just like, hmm, fine. And, yeah. you know, thank you. And then she just like leaves. And like Hydroberg says, she has like a cape on. Like it's this very, yeah. it's, yeah, She's I can so see where it is over the top, cloak. but I love it. And so also, extra. we know now that there are a lot of fanatics like that. Absolutely. So she's like, I, don't know what you're I talking seriously about. am <laughs> doubting your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> <laughs> These are godless times, Miss Snell. Yep. Uh, the prom scene took over two weeks to shoot. It took 35 Ooh. takes. Um, to become Carrie, Sissy Spacek would intentionally avoid socializing with the other actors on and off set. She would stay in her trailer or hide in the corner or behind the set just to kind of maintain that sense of isolation. And beforehand, she's covered she... in blood and it's probably smell like shit. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she told her, her like, you know, co... What's the word I need? I'm trying to say co-actors. What am I... Co-stars? Yeah, co -stars. okay. Cast? Yeah. Castmates. Thank you. 
So she told them ahead of time that she was going to do this. And she's like, I love you guys. I'm not trying to be a bitch. I'm just, this is how I'm going to do my character. And so um, we'll hang out and have fun afterwards. But for while we're shooting, I have to be weird. So that's. It works that's that. so well. Uh, so PJ Souls said that Steven Spielberg often came to the set um, because Brian De Palma told him there were a lot of cute girls there. And he ended up. <laughs> well, they were in their like mid 20s. True. Mean, yeah. They were not like actually 18. Um, and then, of course. Spielberg ended up marrying Amy Irving and they were married for a few years, had a child together. Um, and also, I don't know if you guys know this, but Nancy Allen married Brian De Palma. Wow. So married for a while. Um, Amy Irving, I don't know if you noticed that like kind of oval sort of geometric ring that she wears, um, but it was a gift from Stephen King. Was yeah. I want a ring from Stephen King. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Me too. I just want his money. That's all I want. No, I just want to have him in my life. I just want to know him. Um, this... I want to do coke with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I know those days are behind him, but I know. But you, you can, know, one you last can, hurrah. You can write one kick-ass novel yeah. for novella. <laughs> yeah, no. He already made that movie, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it's called Maximum Overdrive. This, this, this trivia fact is absolutely like wild to me. Um, so Jack Fisk, who's married to Sissy Spacek, said. Um, Brian De Palma actually thought of Sissy as like a set dresser when I, and this is him talking. He says, when I got together with Brian on Carrie, Sissy called him and said, Brian, I'm coming in for a test for Carrie, but I've also got an audition for a Vanquish commercial. I don't know what that is, uh, where I can make $10,000. Should I do that or come in? She thought he'd say, oh, please come in. I got to see you. But what he actually said was, well, Sissy, I think you ought to do the commercial. She got so upset that she sat down in our living room in Topanga Canyon and read the book Carrie from cover to cover. She didn't sleep got up the next morning, put Vaseline in her hair, put on a little sailor dress that her mother had made her in seventh grade, and then she went into where they were testing and did her audition. Nice. When I was looking up, too, on I showed him. She did, Sorry. like, a lot of background work in movies, too, I think, before she was, like, acting full-time, right? I, I, I thought I, I saw know. some, like, stage stuff, like she was in production or something. Mm, mm. I, I could believe that. When you mentioned setting. Mm. Yeah, like, set dressing. Yeah. Um, so Amy Irving uh, originally read for the part of Princess Leia when they were casting Star Wars, and mm -hmm. William Cat read for Luke Skywalker. She could have had the hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. She had the yep. little bond gone, yeah. So I love the line in the movie where Piper Laurie says, Red. I might have known it would be red. Yeah, art department. <laughs> yeah. So in the novel, she does wear a red she makes a red prom dress it's red velvet and they just didn't change mm. that line in uh, the screenplay and so piper Laurie still delivers it as written she goes red i might have know and sissy ad-libbed it's pink mama it's pink mama. Mm. Yeah. i thought she meant like red like the devil you know well so i think it but i think that <clears throat> it actually even works because it's like pink, in her like warped mind like pink is just like it's a so shade scary. of red you yeah, know it's, that it's, it's like to her. she of course would see pink and be like red you harlot because that know? pink reads <laughs> way more white than it does red but because margaret white's mind is warped she's uh, it works for later when Terry bugs out his all yeah. hey, red i got a real quick trivia thing for you or a guess uh yeah. how how tall do you think sissy spacek is because you brought up the fact that she used a dress that her mom gave her in seventh grade how tall <laughs> do you think she is oh i have no idea I five know. six i don't know I, Caitlin, three. Heidelberg. No, I don't know. Uh, five, 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 two. Oh, she's a little thing. She's I'm five feet thing. even, so solidarity, oh, okay. sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, in real life, Sissy Spacek was um, homecoming queen. 
in high school. <laughs> uh, she also performed the audiobook of Carrie, which is awesome. Oh, I don't listen to cool. audiobooks, oh, nice. but Whoa. if I did, I'd be all over that. That's really cool. I would get that for sure. Yep. Uh, the actress who plays Miss Collins, Betty Buckley, Brian De Palma wanted her to really slap Nancy Allen, but they kept doing take after take and Nancy wasn't given the reaction that Brian wanted. And so they did like 30 takes of that slap. So Brian put a wig on and he went in and he's like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it looks Felt like a man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like a cue back to uh, last week's uh, movie. So Sissy Spacek was nominated for a Best Ast- Actress Oscar, um, and Piper Laurie was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So, you know, they got some, like, you know, mainstream cred. Not that that really means much, but it's, yeah, but it's notable because fucking... it doesn't happen often. So yeah, They didn't fucking win, I mean, because Academy Awards suck. I know. Um, but Quentin Tarantino has said this is one of his favorite movies ever. Good man. Yep. Um, Brian DePaul. Oh, you know about every movie. Except that he had never seen Rosemary's Baby until yeah. like a few years ago. I'm like, what are you doing, Quentin? What are you new? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I love trivia facts about who could have played the parts. I love that. Mm-hmm. Brian De Palma considered casting Louise Fletcher to play Margaret White. Do you guys know who that is? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh-huh. Flowers in the Attic. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I can so see that, it. That could have been good. Um. Uh, kind of interesting when the fire hose is sprayed at PJ Souls, the water pressure actually burst her eardrums. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And so she wasn't unconscious when her head rolled to the side, but she was having like equilibrium problems, you know, because her eardrum was uh, burst and uh, she had no hearing for about six months in that Whoa. year. Yeah, that's no joke. Yikes. Yeah. And half a year later, she made Halloween. <laughs> yep. See something you like? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And my last trivia fact, which is also wild, uh, Betty Buckley, who plays Miss Collins, her terrified look on, on her face right before she gets killed is real because they hadn't been able to test that falling backboard ahead of time to make sure it would stop where it was supposed to before hitting her. And no one knew for certain whether it was going to work. Oh, no. So, yay, onset safety. Yay, old movies. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah, we're the so safety of the actors. We don't care. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll fix, fix it in post. Does if that has any bearing on it? <laughs> we'll fix it in post. We'll fix your torso in post. Yeah, all right. <laughs> we'll splice it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for Carrie, y'all. We did it. We did. Yeah, we did. I was afraid to do it, but we did it. Yeah, yeah we, we got did a great job. Thanks to thanks to Caitlin. Thanks, yeah, no, you guys along the way. No, yeah. this was so much fun to revisit, and y'all did a great job. I, I learned new some new trivia too. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's it for Carrie. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week, we'll be back with mm-hmm. uh, another female oriented centered film called Birth Rebirth. And I love we'll Birth a... Rebirth. I have not seen that yet. So that'll be Never my first I. time watch. Uh, we'll also be welcoming back a special guest, Amy Burke. Uh, oh, she'll be sitting wait. in with us. And um, Birth Rebirth can be found on Shutter. So that's easy yeah. to access. Uh, in the meantime, oh, by the way, that's Hyderberg's pick. I'm sorry, John's pick. I'm all mixed up. Yeah. John's pick. <laughs> this is my pick. I know. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to email us with your thoughts about Carrie or anything else, uh, tell us about your uh, relationship with teen magazines. Tell us about your first menstruation. Tell us if Nancy Allen awakened anything in you too. <laughs> uh, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on X at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. 
Oh, Caitlin, where can they find you and the Plug It Up podcast? They can find me. I'm Plug It Up Pod on Instagram and X and I'm plug it up pod at gmail.com if anyone wants to write in and plug it ups on all the all the podcast streaming platforms. And then I also do a very stupid Twilight podcast called Skin of a Killer that if anyone is interested in that. So see, I kind of want to check that one out. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, a cut above colon horror review. I also want to remind everybody, make sure you give those five star ratings on iTunes and Spotify to plug it up podcast to a cut above horror review. Also our friend Heidelberg's got a second podcast called Cinemigos excellent episode that came out this past week uh, the night the night of the hunter so make sure you uh, do that it's gonna get everybody coming to the podcast uh they'll see those five star ratings and be like hell yeah we're gonna check that out and uh Heidelberg, you got a, a a one more plug correct oh yeah uh i wanted to plug uh i just wanted to wish a happy 50th episode to uh cinema slab uh anna yeah. hannah and hunter oh, yeah. uh yeah by now i think or within the next couple of days, I think they have their or uh, their fiftieth episode. So that's pretty exciting. That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's freaking awesome. So yeah, go check them out. They just did a salt burn episode. Oh. Yeah, Caitlin, do you have that one coming up? Yeah, at the time of this recording, it comes out tomorrow. So okay. uh, by the nice. time this episode comes nice. out, salt burn episode will be up. <laughs> and I've just I've enjoyed the salt burn discourse so much, and I there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about, and it can really separate your normie friends from your, from mm-hmm. your horror friends or your freak friends. And I'm just like, oh boy, I love it. of things in that movie. I mean, it's a well-made film. It's, it's so uh, good. Talk film with it. You can talk subject matter. You can talk a lot of things. Yep. The art hey, direction for it. Mm. Horror is a great community. Let your freak flag fly. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. So everybody mm-hmm. go watch uh, Birth Rebirth on Shudder and come back here and meet up with us next week. And keep it plugged up.